Our studio keeps getting calls from video game developers. We may not be able to resist any longer. What should we do? Uh, we can keep ignoring them the way we always have. Stadio Ghibli has no reason to indulge in these foolish video games. No, we have to do it this time. Miyazaki lost a bet, so, uh, who's available for a script? Uh, their regulars are kind of busy. Let's give the new interns a job. They'll do a great job. They interviewed well. Wait, their whole script depends on a book that we can't market outside Japan. Ah, never mind. I'm sure it'll be fine. What could possibly go wrong? Here it comes, podcasting's finest few hours of gaming prizes. Action RPG fans, come on down. Final Fantasy players, come on down. Might and Magic lovers, come on down. And Diskea fanboys, come on down. You are the first four contestants on the RPG Backtrack. And here are the stars of the RPG Backtrack, Phil Willis and Mike Mickey. your swords and prepare your spells. Your friends at RP Gamer got a story to tell. Are you ready to hear about your favorite RPGs? Because we'll be going back a few years in history. If you've got a backlog that is really long, we'll tell you what's right to play and what is wrong. we got RP Gamer staff on the mic to talk about these games for most of the night. So pull up a chair, we will give you no flack. You're listening to the RPG Backtrack. And welcome to RPG Backtrack, your favorite show. We talk about RPGs from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. I'm your host, Phil Willis, and this is the ever-so-valuable Mike Minky. Here I am. Yes, I am here. Totally, definitely, awesomely here. And, Mike, I understand we have not one, not two, not three, but four guests with us tonight. Do we have four? I'm pretty sure it's three. No, we have four. Let's start off with Mr. Michael Baker. I can't count. Hello. Miss... And are you sure you can count, Phil? Oh, absolutely. Miss Becky Cutting Turkey. Hi, I'm on a webcam mic because my cat ate my headset. Meow. Miss Sam Marshmallow. I don't know where I am anymore. And last but not least, Mike Mickey's evil twin... Mike T. Minky. Really? <laughs> he was on earlier. Did you hear him? Yeah. Yep. Really, Phil? Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get off this crazy train. Told ya. Poor guest. 
I want off this train like hey, right now. I'm an accountant. I can count. It's the only thing I can do. Uh, and because my husband is an accountant and he can't count, so what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I can I can count and I can tell you for a fact that in the game that we're talking about tonight, there are absolutely zero zip zero zilch coonies in this game. That's right, we're talking about Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch. We have to. Y'all are nonplussed by my Kuni joke. It's because it was bad. And you can feel bad. <laughs> yes. Yes. No Kunis. I thought you said cooties. Yeah. I was like, I that's, there's kids in the game, so surely there's cooties. I was going to say. <laughs> Remember, Kunis never say die. Mm. Oh, that was even worse. <laughs> <laughs> Be ashamed. Hey, it's the only way to beat him down is with even worse jokes. Sorry. <sighs> We're also. Becky, I say we leave. We're <laughs> having their own party. Okay. I'm not into this. <laughs> we can go have our own Harvest Moon party. Yay! Except my 3DS is charging, so boo. Aww. We're also uh, gonna be talking about Dinu uh, Kuni, the another, the another world, right? Actually, it's um, oh, well, what was the actual title? Something, something Black Mage, uh, Mage of okay. Darkness. They right. have it as another world for some reason on the website, but uh, whatever. Um, because that was the that was the original title, but then they changed the subtitle to the Mage yeah. of Darkness because I'm already planning on having Wrath of the White Witch come out. Well, not to mention that the Another World makes no sense. That too. Yeah, that was yeah, hard for me to say. As, it's about as sensical as some of the other Studio Ghibli movie English titles. So, what, You know what else is sensical? That we're going to spend a long time talking about Ninukuni when we come back after this commercial message. have returned and we are here tonight to talk about Ninukuni Ninukuni Nanu Nanu Wrath of the White Witch developed by Level 5 and Studio Ghibli well, at least they did the animation Ghibli. This, Ghibli 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 
<laughs> this was uh, released on the PlayStation 3 in North America on January 22nd, 2013. Of course, if you lived in Japan, you got it more than a year earlier on November 17th, 2011. And uh, this is a single-player RPG experience published in North America by Namco Bandai, coming to you on one beautiful, gorgeous, hot Blu-ray disc. What's up with this game? It looks so pretty! It must be good, right? Because it's so pretty. It is pretty. It is very pretty. I'm looking at it. It's so cute. Ghibli. Your mileage may vary. Your mileage. My, my wife is a huge fan of the uh, Studio Ghibli, Ghibli, Ghibli Puffs, uh, whatever, uh, animation movies. So we watched a bunch. So when this came out, she saw the uh, she saw the trailers and was like, oh my gosh, look at this, Phil! They made a game! We have to have it! And we went out and we bought it and we played it a few hours while she watched. I played. And then uh, we didn't play anymore. So I'm hoping you guys can tell me about this game. So, who wants to start off and tell us about the story of Ninu Kuni, the colorblind witch? Well, it's one of the few RPGs I can think of where they... and. I mean, you know, in a lot of games, the main character is an orphan or has only one parent or something like that. It's one of the few games I can think of where they kill off the main character's parent on screen in the first 15 minutes. Oh, yeah, that that is true. Uh, since I played for two hours, I get to see that part. Yeah, the the, the initial sequence is, is very moving. Yes. Well, okay, continue. So, Don't let me stop you. Okay. I, I just, I just set the stage. The so, show is yours, Baker. Okay, so take her yes, away. Yes, so, the, so the main main character gets into a little incident early on, and his mother rescues him, and then she dies of a heart, heart attack right afterwards. So it's, um, yeah, it's a bit of a bummer of a start. And then he, accident, and then. He some accidentally discovers that his favorite stuffed animal is a fairy that's been trapped by a magic spell, and he manages to let set it free. And he learns that he can go to a magical world where he might be able to save his mother's life retroactively. Sort of. Hello. Cricket. 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 <laughs> no, we're listening. Okay, we're so I'm, enthralled with your story, we're just breathless. Are you sure? Being, being oh, absolutely. Back, being able to bring back your dead mom. Yeah. If, I, if my mom was dead, I might be able to empathize, but uh, I can still try. Yeah. Sounds well, the like... Entire point, the entire point is that the two worlds are supposed to be linked together, and so there's a lot of crossover between, like, there are people in one world who look a lot like people in the other world. And so the idea is if he can somehow find his mom's doppelganger in the other world, then he might be able to help them. Or It's never quite clear exactly how this is going to happen, but it's also pretty clear from the beginning that the fairy is setting the hero up to take down the big, bad, evil, magic overlord of the other world because he's not, not good. Well, let's so. face it, Baker. Like, the game totally forgets her whole purpose for the most part. Which was kind of one of my big pet peeves with that. Because <laughs> yeah. you have the audacity to make this really beautiful scene with the mother. And then she's like, oh, yes, I exist in the other world. I was a witch. 
and that's really it. Like they Is that how they translated it? No, that's just my interpretation. <laughs> okay, because at, at the end, because uh, if I remember right, at the end, um, Oliver's mom in our world actually is the character from the other world. Yeah, no, yes. that's, that's correct. Yes, yeah, so yeah, spoilers, okay. he can't bring her back. She's yeah. dead. She is super dead. Other spoilers, he technically killed himself at the end of the game. Yeah, because that totally made sense. Ugh. I'll take your word for it, I never made it past the final boss because it was obnoxious and I was done. You know, no, I'm, I'm talking about, about job. No, I'm not talking about the White Witch or the the, the final boss in the PlayStation 3 game. Oh, in but, the uh, the DS one, right? Yeah, I mean, because Javo actually is his, the other side of his soul. Or he oh, yeah, is yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we learned that in the... Yeah. It's... And that, that's where the DS game stops. Whereas the, three, the PlayStation With... 3 version decided we need more plot that really is incoherent and stupid. Yeah, it's it's really where the 3DS or where the uh, PS3 version should have stopped. Because it's true, yeah. like when you get to Oliver and Shadar and their final battle, if the game had ended there, that would have been perfect and that would have been just enough because it would have made sense. But the game yes. has the White Witch and she basically spends 40 hours in the game pretty much without purpose. Like, yep, you can't but... really see her, and then she talks, and then she's like, I'm still here. And it just, like, she feels purposeless for that first 40 hours, and then when you actually yeah, get to the White Witch art, <laughs> like, she feels shoehorned. And That's furthermore... She is shoehorned. She is shoehorned. <laughs> um, and then when you actually finish, when you finish the White Witch arc, and you learn about her being P, and oh my god, I hated P so much. Um, you know... You don't get a sense of satisfaction out of it, and it kind of just, it, it feels silly. There's a character named like, P? There is a character named P. Her name is uh, Chesapeake. Oh. I believe. Oh. But her name, I, like, the character's name is P. I bet she didn't live that down in high school. P-E-A. Sweet P. As in sweet P. Children. But, yeah, like... Yeah, but that's one of the major major things that they added to the game was... Anything involving the White Witch. Well, anything that would make P's character somewhat relevant, because she basically spends the 40 hours running around being like, I will help you, and then not actually be really helpful. Yeah, but... And, yeah, you know... Yeah, that's, that's like what I said. I mean, every scene with that girl, every scene with the White Witch, a lot of the other scenes that connect directly to them, the entire time travel bit in the Empire later on was added mm -hmm. in. Oh, while quite a while quite a lot of stuff that was um, that happened before and after the Empire segment was cut out. No wonder why this game story is an incoherent pile of mess. Yeah, well, okay, a lot of the stuff that was cut out wasn't quite necessary, but it was actually um, oh, it was like okay, oh, show. How about we actually do this in chronological order for the series? I think that would game? be a good idea. Okay, so, so our mom dies. So we got uh, that far. <laughs> yep. So yeah. So okay, just for just for structure purposes, um, the DS game has four parts of the story. You got the I usually call it land, sea, sky, and darkness. So you got the part up to the, when you get the boat. You get the part when you're 
on the uh, on the boat just trying to get to the empire you've got the part where you're trying to find the three pieces the magic staff and then you've got the end game and then the playstation 3 version adds a fifth part to the end of the story and then tries to retroactively fit parts of it in to prepare for that part of the story which is Mm -hmm. where everything falls flat so okay just that's for the structure there um so yeah so with the help of the fair um, Oliver finds a book of magic in his chimney, in his fireplace. Okay, that, that's part of the fun part. And, and actually, it's one of the fun parts of the DS game, too, because I actually have the book in my hand right now. I have, I have the book, too. Oh, you got the book? I did. Actually, level five. Physically? Me. Yeah. Oh, cool, cool. I didn't know they were giving out copies in America. They didn't. They didn't. When I went to see level five a couple years back, they um, they gave me a copy of the three D uh, the DS version, which had the book oh, really? and everything in it. Yeah, which I will totally you didn't hear. read it. You probably would have enjoyed it more. Oh, probably. I th- and I think you know that might have been part of my issues with it. But you know, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to so, where what makes yeah, me so, so crusty. <laughs> yeah. Well, so aside from any references to the White Witch, the first section of the game is pretty much the same between the two. Everything up. To the um, to the town where you get the boat is almost the same. Um, yeah. Aside from some complete redesigns of areas to allow for actual three D graphics, uh, but um, so yeah, Oliver has to. I mean, it's. I mean, this is. Well, I've told some of my kids it's pretty much made by the same guys who did Dragon Quest Nine, and um, so there are some strong resemblances in the way it progresses. I, I didn't mind the way Dragon Quest Nine progressed on the whole. Oh no, man! I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just it's yeah. It... Okay, well, I'm not trying to. Yeah, I'm not trying, this I'm not this sure one's a little awkward, though. I mean, I, I don't know. I know people yeah. love this game, but I found this story just such a mess. And you know, one of my biggest beefs with this game is it's its actual treatment of the player. When you progress in the game. You know, you'll start to learn different things about the different characters. So there's Esther. She's a princess. Um, she, in the real world, is a girl named Myrtle who's very shy and kind of homebound. Had no problem with that bit. <laughs> made, her, made her a princess in the play. Well, the- I, I, is she a princess? I can't remember if she was a princess or if she was... Uh, no, no, she's the daughter she, of a mage. She's yeah, the daughter of the great she's mage. she's a sorcerer's right. daughter. Yeah. yeah. Um, who, oh my god, her English voice drove me crazy. Um, and then you have Swain. And Swain was a prince. Except that the game was hilarious with that one because... So you go to this place called Hamlin, and there's piggies, and the piggies were great, and I kind of loved it. So you meet Moccasin, who is this, um... The emperor? He's an emperor at the time, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you meet Moccasin, and he's just like, yeah, my brother left me, like, years ago. And I I remember when I was playing, and I'm like, $10 says it's Swain. Two oh. hours of the plot goes by. It, it's Swain. You're going to love this. In the DS version, the big reveal happens then. Oh, God. Would have taken it. Yeah, didn't they happen right away. But, see, that's yes. my issue, is this game just, like, in instances like that, it really treats the player like they're stupid. Like, they can't figure out that, oh, my God, Swain and Moccasin are related. They have similarities. Like, it's not yeah. that hard to put two and two together. Oh. 
Oh, it, yeah, it's, no, it's totally obvious. And 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 the, but the game obvious. makes it such a big deal, which I thought was just hilarious. It's like, oh, da da da, they're related. I'm like, are you serious? Are you seriously making a big deal? <laughs> yeah, like like I said, um, it picks the yeah, stupidest in, in the BS, moments for stuff like that. In, in the BS game, they reveal this right after you meet the emperor, and it's pretty obvious that something is up even before that because uh, what was his name in English? Swain. Yeah. Um. Yeah, um, in order to even get you into the castle to begin with, you end up going through the, this black market in the town, which I think was also cut out of the game. No, 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 it's there. And No, I mean, because... Oh, is it a I, different one? Because there's a back alley with a couple... Yes, the back alley's there, but the, oh, okay. but the bits of storyline where you have to help the guy's sick daughter is No, not that's there. still there. No, I mean, I... actually... No, I remember her being there, but I don't remember... I don't remember actually having to physically rescue her. Oh, no, you don't physically rescue her in the game. I think they just make you do the, you take a heart piece, you transfer mm-hmm. it over. Because there is that little bit, you do meet the guy with the sick daughter. So I guess it plays okay. out differently, I don't know. Yeah, but it, you do you do the whole heart transfer thing where you take like a piece from somebody and give it to her. It, it's essentially the same thing, but it, they, they took out parts of the dialogue, I think. I, just, I definitely remember it being a shorter section and then her big brother gets you some um, uniforms and helps you sneak in to the castle. Yeah. Again, that happens so conveniently in the PS3 version. Yeah. Which, uh... But, oh yeah, but, um, so the, the part where the story actually diverges quite a bit was actually comes before then. Um, so, after you get the boat from the Bikini beach or whatever it's called in English um, so you're, you're sailing towards the, em- the empire you get hit by the storm you remember the storm yes yeah well in the PS3 version you get to fight the dark mage in a very one sided battle in the DS version the storm just wipes you out sends you across the map to this island on the other side of the world and you have to find a way of repairing your ship and find some way of knocking out the storm before you can get, get any farther. Oh, joy. So there, yeah, so there's an entire island on the western side of the map that does not ex- exist in the PlayStation version. Hmm. And it, this is where the casino is. This, uh, this particular island. And so the, the entire storyline involving this um, island and the casino city is... It has to do with the people who make... Fireworks for big displays there, and what the uh, pyrotechnician's apprentice has lost all confidence. It's one of the, the hollow quests, confident heart quest. And the thing is that the these guys, the people who make the fireworks, they actually appear in the closing credits of the game um, of the um, well before the White Witch section actually starts. You can actually see them in the big celebration at uh, what was the name of the Cat City again? Ding. King Dong Dell. King Dong Dell. Yeah, that was actually I, I like that name translation. It's cute. So yeah. So yeah, so you have this entire section of the game where the NPCs from the story section can be seen in other parts of the game. They appear in one of the closing credits sections. They appear in the um, in the monster coliseum section, but they never used them otherwise. It's kind of annoying. 
So, yeah, so you have to get their help to get this firework package together so you can actually knock out the eye of the storm, literally. Because it's an actual eye in the middle of that thing before you can get to the Empire. However, the entire fairy island does not exist in the DS version. Yeah, I was wondering, because we got the fairy island instead, and the fairy island is pretty cool, so... I liked the fairy island. I actually thought that was fantastic. Yeah, it has some great characters in it. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely not a bad trade-off if it was just that one island for the other island, but the PS3 game's missing three islands. Hmm. Yeah, and so, and the two other islands are directly connected to the main storyline after the Empire. So, um, yeah, after, after you meet the Emperor, you, um, it is almost sort of the same because you end up going up to the Valley of the Kings anyway the, the, with all the, the grave sites, except you're doing it in the present time and not ten years ago because of the ridiculous time travel plot that they decide to put in the PlayStation version. If you're, yeah, I know you remember that because you're complaining about it. So um, makes me so, so you get all angry. The, yeah. So you get all the way to the end of the Valley of the Kings. You fight off that undead lich thing at the end, and what you find is a box, an empty box, with a note on it saying, "Hey, sorry, you, you guys, you're too. Um, whoever's looking at this, you're too late. Sorry, I put it in a safe place." Huh. Okay. Yes, so it turns out the Pirate King stole the wand that was in that box several years before. So you have to go, um, so, um, and he's on one of those two islands that no longer exist in the PlayStation version. Well, we met the Pirate King, though. Yes. Yeah, in a completely different, in a completely different location, and that's a different issue that I'll get to in a little bit. Okay. Um, but, um, so, but, yeah, so you have to go to the Jungle Island, you have to find the Pirate King, and then after you meet with him, you end up going to Haven. Do you guys remember Haven? Vaguely. Vaguely because in the PS3 game, Haven got crashed into the ocean ten years ago. No survivors. Hmm. It's not not ringing a bell, but it's because I might be blocking parts of this game out of my brain. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, they took out an entire flying city from the game. Oh, yeah, I remember them talking yes. about that. Okay, yeah. yeah, that makes sense, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so, and from there you have to go find, um, once you actually manage to get the, the wand, you have to find the parts to complete it. Yeah. Which, again, that's in the game, but they in the PlayStation 3 game, but they took lots of bits out of it. Well, the I'm wondering, like, did it take forever to get the damn wand? Because I felt like in the PS3 version, that plot point could have been sped up a little faster. (laughs) Well, I mean, like, the third chapter of the game is mostly involving that wand. Yeah, and it's the longest chapter, except half the time it didn't feel like it needed to be that long. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the DS because version... Because then the Scooby-Doo parts would happen, like, oh no, this would happen, and oh my god, yeah. we can't get the wand, and it's like, Jesus Christ, people! Get your crap yeah. together! <laughs> yeah, the uh, the sequence in the DS game involved, um, like, rocket, rock, 
rocket broom, flying rocket broom races at one point, which was kind of fun. Okay, I'm sorry, that sounds better! <laughs> yes, exactly. Plus, um, when, when you have to get the three jewels to fix the thing, um, like, one of them was in the glacier, one of them was held by the, the skeleton pirates, and the third one was in the, the frog palace. Yeah. I, I remember in the PS3 game, the frog palace storyline is mostly intact, but they took all the storyline out of the other two. Yeah, the, the so frog when, palace when was pretty cool. I remember, I, I remember liking the frog because that's the one with all the different puzzles in it, isn't it? Yep, and you had the, the guy, cool. and you had the, the prince and the princess who were turned into frogs, yes. or the prince who turned into a frog, and the princess who allowed herself to be turned into a frog so she could be there could when be he gets them. freed. Yeah. So, but the 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 ice caves storyline, it, I mean, it was mostly just little flashbacks. But there's a ghost that you meet in the caves who turns out to be this boy who. His dog was taken, um, or I say his dog was more of a wolf, was taken away by the the wizard king many eon- oh, years and, or I guess millennia ago, and turned into the guardian of this cave. So you have this ghost who is, he doesn't quite realize that he's dead, or that his own best friend was the thing that was forced to kill him. He's just trying to get through the cave and get his and be reunited with his best friend, who happens to be a uh, um, let's see, let's see an ice breathing wolf the size of a Sherman tank. Yeah, we had to fight that, but yeah, I don't think they did the whole story part of that. Yeah. that well, that part, and, I rem- if I remember correctly, they just make you fight the monster, and you don't really get a sense of why you have to do it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're right. So, yeah. Now you know what you explaining parts that they've cut out. It really makes sense. Like what is actually wrong with the story in in the PS3 version, and why right. parts of it just feel anticlimactic or stilted or even awkward. Like that there should be something that obviously they took out. Because well, there's parts but, where I would just sit there and I'm like, I don't understand the point of like this scene or whatnot. And now you're explaining things that I'm like, gee, if I knew that. Oh, wait, wait until I get to the to the skeleton pirates, the Baron. So, you remember where you meet the Pirate King in the PlayStation 3 version? Isn't it in the cave? Yeah, the, the, the Skull Cave. That's skull where cave. the Baron, that's where the Baron is in the DS version. That's, um, it's in those caves that the skeleton Baron is forcing his minions to work on this steam-powered pirate ship, and they've been working on it for over a thousand years now. Um, he was ordered to create this for the, the Magic War a thousand years ago, and, and he wasn't able to finish it in time, partly because they didn't have enough resources, but he never stopped trying, and he never let any of his workers stop trying either, even after they all died. And They've been locked in this cycle of frustration for the last millennium because they still don't have enough resources to finish the thing, so they keep stealing parts from each other to melt down to make more parts. Yeah, in the PS3 version, it's just like you do a little quest for him, and he's, he's like, there. we're all buddies now! And you're like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, in, yeah. In, in the PS3 version, his boat, the boat is finished, and it's just floating outside 
somewhere on the northeast side of the map, and you just fight him. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. This plot that, makes that was, me unhappy. Yeah, so yeah. the third chapter of the game is where most of the stuff that got cut out was cut out. Now, did do we know why they changed the game the way they did, by any chance? Um... Mm, not really, no. Let's just I play Mackie Hero. It, it could have. I'm mean, sure we could just blame him, but I'm sure there's there might have been something like pressed for time, and so they made choices on what parts to keep and what parts to ditch. And I'll just and play Mackie Hero, the, the you know, in a corner. <laughs> yeah, because that that would make sense, except for the fact that they added a whole bunch of crap too. So well, that's just it, yeah. right? That's that's probably what caused half the problems to begin with is what that they wanted to add the whole white witch segment to the game and that ended up taking away from stuff that they could have finished otherwise. So I would have liked this game more then if they had kept it in you know, a regular type instead of new crap. Yes, probably. and this, and this is why I made the comment um, much um, before we even started that I'm very glad I never had to review the PS3 version because I would have to explain why I wasn't giving it a 5 like I did the DS version. So. Because it did not deserve as high a score. It's just a very frustrating game. I mean, I can see why people like it. I mean, there is this wonderful, whimsical, wonderlust feeling to it. Mm-hmm. But I think what I struggled with is, like, I was super pumped for this game. I was. I was in, like, overhyped Happy Joy, and I generally don't get that way. Mm-hmm. Um, unless it's something really ridiculous, like, you know, Majima and Kazuma appearing in Project Crossome, but I digress. Um, you know, I or, was excited because the, I thought... <laughs> or that little, hit, that little girls RPG that's coming out in Japan soon, the one with the... Oh my god, yes, it looks so cute. Oh my god, I want that. Okay, okay, but yes, back, okay. back to... But, you know, and I, for me, you know, I read a lot of middle grade and a lot of young adult, and I felt like Oliver's story... You know, I feel like the game just kind of shat on him. And I mean that in the sense of, you could have told this really powerful story about, you know, a boy, you know, wanting to find his mother and wanting to to come to terms with a lot of different things. And the way that they present it, it's like watching an episode of She-Ra, where it's just like, one minute everyone's like, hey, where's Princess Aurora? And then she's like, I'm right here. And then two minutes later, it's like, oh, where's She-Ra? Oh, I'm right here. It just, it never finds its groove. And it never finds a way to make the story feel meaningful because everything just feels haphazardly put together. And anytime the game tries to have an emotional moment, it somehow fails because either the characters are just so oblivious or they're just not connecting. And I I was very sad because I was kind of hoping I would have a more emotional experience with it. I mean, you don't have a lot of games out there that just right in your face, the first thing that happens is they kill off the main character's mom. Right? And when yes. I got in the game, my dad was actually close to passing away. So when he did finally pass away, I actually had to put this game away because it was like, I, I was not ready for it. And then when I picked it up months later, I was just so angry with it because it's like, you treat death like it's a joke. And it made me angry because it just felt like her death felt so pointless. And yes, he's like, I want to find her. And yes, that's great. But you spend a lot of the game forgetting that that's what you're doing. 
So it just doesn't come across as meaningful as I feel like the game was trying to attempt at the beginning. So does the does PS3 game still have the dream sequences that he occasionally has about his mom? Or was that just at the beginning? Mm, I don't remember there being too many later on in the game, but there, there was definitely a few at the beginning. Um, yeah. Once you pick up Swain, though, it pretty much kind of goes out the window. Because it yeah. seems like the story becomes more about the grand adventure. But at the same time, the grand adventure just feels kind of hokey. So, I don't know. I Like I said, I was expecting something a little bit more emotional when I picked it up. Uh, and considering the state of mind that I was in, I realized my expectations were just a little too high. Yeah. yeah I, think, um, I think it was easier for me to enjoy because I wasn't as worried about the story. I liked the pretty things, and I had a pirate cat. Um, and so, sometimes, those are acceptable reasons yeah, sometimes. Yeah, pirate cat. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes the characters did stupid stuff, but then there was the awesome lamp fairy and, like, the fairy yes. mommy and... Yeah, yeah. But, you know what? Yeah, fairy, I did. fairy mommy's totally forgivable. Like I freaking yeah. loved her. I thought she was brilliant. Yeah, I did enjoy the game less going um, once we got to the empire when things. Yeah, as Michael said, like there was a lot that was cut out, and this, so there was a lot that just wasn't very enjoyable about that part. And yeah, the wand hunt is very tedious because there's just not a lot there except for going through some very long dungeons and fighting a lot of stuff. Well, you know so, the worst part about the damn wand was? Once you have the wand and the spell, it makes the actual game, like, a joke. Because <laughs> you can just yeah. use Mornstar, 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 and everything just dies. Yeah. Which yeah, I was Oliver, like, Oliver gets kind of powerful. <laughs> he gets powerful to the point where you don't need to use the monsters, because he basically <laughs> gets two spells that just kill everything on the screen without effort. And as long as you can pop them off, like, you're good. Which is kind of sad and kind of broken. Except for the fact that that required magic points and they were extraordinarily expensive to refill. Yes, it was. So I I tried not to use magic when I didn't have to because I didn't want to go back to town (laughs) and have to refill my darn magic things. There's a good topic to discuss. The radical change of battle system. Well, wasn't turn-based in the, uh, the DS version? Yes, it was. It was turn-based, and your side had a three-by-three grid where you could arrange your three guys anywhere you wanted. So you had a bit of strategy. Actually, the very first boss battle with the the Forest Guardian, um, the way to survive was you put your little warrior guy up in front, and then you put Shizuku and Oliver right behind him, and he would block all of the wind attacks and keep them from hitting you. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, the main uh, battle strategy in um, the PS3 version was to send out your monsters and run in circles. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I'm yes. glad it wasn't the only one who did that. <laughs> ah! Don't hit me running in circles. I can't yeah. believe. Like and that was the thing. That, and the game thought that was a viable strategy. <laughs> <laughs> and let's talk about like how Esther's so useless because okay, so Esther, she's the one who helps you catch monsters. Except most mm-hmm. of the time, her skill to get the monsters never works. <laughs> yeah, that drove in, me absolutely crazy, like the piddling in percentage the, in the amount. Version, uh, here's the fun. In the DS version, she had multiple songs that she could use to try and recruit monsters. But it, uh, um, you had to figure out which song would work best. 
I would have preferred that than the yeah. one spell you got in the PS3 version that you were lucky if you could get it to work most of the time. I like just I, had the worst luck with it. There, there was definitely a trick to it. I don't remember what it was, <laughs> but I, eventually I, so I, I got okay at it. I don't remember having that much trouble recruiting monsters, so I don't know. You know what? I had more trouble with it at the beginning, towards the end of the game. I, I did get the hang of it, but it was still one of those things where Esther's so weak as is. Mm-hmm. So the moment you're doing it, you're almost always going to get hit, unless she's far enough away or, you know, the monsters distract. Yeah. And Esther dies very quickly, which just... Yeah, they should, have, they should have rebalanced that a bit for the PS3 version. Because, like, in the DS version, you could arrange your formation so that she's shielded most of the time. Well, I just thought it was and, kind of weird how, you know, she she was so weak. And, like I said, I had so many problems with the damn monster recruiting. Meanwhile, with Swain, Swain has the steel skill. I got it to work almost every time. And it just confused me. It was like, yeah. why is that working all the time? Meanwhile, I want the damn monster for my monster collection. Because they overcompensated on Swain's steel ability, because in the DS version, it is really haphazard. Oh, jeez. Okay, see, things are starting to make sense now. Yeah. Because, um, like I said, I found anytime I used steel, no problem. I could make it work, and it was great. I gotta admit, I actually did like a lot of the monster designs in the game. They were really cute, and I, like, I only wanted to have a party of cute monsters. But I did keep that first monster you get for like the whole game, because he just gets like really badass. Oh, yeah. The... Plus, he whacks Oliver on the head with a sword when they first meet. Because all, so cute! He's like, like, Oliver's like, are you sure this thing can fight? And yeah. monster's like, come here, come here, come here. What? Bonk. Bonk. Yes. I also thought <laughs> Esther's monster was incredibly cute. Her starting one is all the penguin. Like, I was in love with that penguin. What, the really big bird thing? <laughs> really fat penguin <laughs> thing, yeah. I thought it I know, really I like adorable. The, I like the pirate kitty. Pirate kitty was great, too. I like There were a few variations of what pirate kitty was not there. Yeah, but the, the top version was pirate kitty. Yeah. Okay, it was actually just pirate black kitty. Black cat, patch. Yeah. Right, yes. right. Yes, I know. Pirate Kitty was great. One thing, one thing I liked was that when they made their inevitable uh, um, um, metal slime variation, yes, you know, and they made it Totoro. Yes, yes, I thought that was great. So you have to hunt. So yeah, for best experience results, you hunt down Totoros. I was okay with that. Yeah, it made me happy. Like for all my complaining about the damn story. I really kind of had fun with the monsters and, like, the monster breeding system, and I actually yeah. liked all that. Like, I had a lot of fun just playing around with, like, giving them all the treats and then them yelling at me when they were full of me going, damn it, eat your treats. <laughs> um, like, I liked that system. I thought it was actually really interesting for the most part, and it was fun to play with and just kind of experiment with. And, and the interesting thing is, if you look at Yokai Watch now, you can see elements of the DS Nino Kuni's um, monster system in there. And a bit of the battle system. Well, it's good to know that they learned some stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, for that matter, if you look at Fantasy Life, you can see elements of the PS3 game's battle system and the way they lock onto monsters and maneuver. It's just Fantasy Life did it a little better. You know, 
one of my big battle strategies in that game also involved running in circles. Um, yeah, I mean, maneuvering left and right in a circular fashion, sure. The only running I, I, I really an, did... I was an archer. <laughs> oh, I did, I did everything in that game. So it was just whatever I was playing at the time. Except the one time when the strategy was run away, run away, when one of my NPCs at level 8 decided to hit a dragon on the nose. <laughs> yeah, that happens. <laughs> yes. So, okay, so, but yeah, back to this game. Um, yeah. It, it was just, it was a complete subgenre switch on the battle system, and it just, it did not work as well as it could have. Well, you know what it was? I, I found, and I don't know, Becky, if this happened to you a couple times, but the hit detection in the PS3 one was a little weird at times, wasn't it? I had times Sometimes. where, like, I know I'd hit something, and the game was like, nope! And I'd be like, but the monster hit it! I know I, I saw it! <laughs> I didn't have as many problems as I remember you complaining about with it, although I yeah. think my husband said he did. I don't remember. What? Did you try to play Nino Kuni and have trouble with hit detection? Or was that another game? I'm... I don't remember if I played Nino Kuni. Oh, he doesn't even remember if he played it, so we won't. We don't like, know. I know Scott played it with me. Like, I let him play a little bit, and he was having some similar problems, too. Mm. Mind you, Scott also has no patience for JRPGs, so we take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> you know my husband. Yep. If it's not uh-huh. Persona, he don't play it. Yep. Or Super Robot Wars. Yep. Mm-hmm. He still wants that car game, Gaijin. He still wants the car game. He wants He wants to know I, about the car game. If I, if I, Wait, he played Yakuza with you. <laughs> Yes, Yakuza, though, is a different different situation. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's only tenuously in the JRPG realm. Then it's not a 40-hour game. Okay. I, like yeah. I said, my husband don't have patience for JRPGs. Okay, so what were some other differences here? Um, okay, so in the DS game, there's a post-game... Um, level. It's just a tower, like one of those randomized tower floor levels in dungeons that you get in some games. But at the very top of the game, or top of the tower, is a, a um, an optional super boss who, in the PS3 version, is the White Witch's father. Okay. Hmm? Mm. And it turns out this character at least in the DS version, is the one who, depending on which which person you listen to, either started the Mage War a thousand years ago, or ended it a thousand years ago, and is in any case the cause of a lot of the issues currently plaguing the world, including that giant wolf in the glacier, the ghost pirates, and several other things. And the, the Dark Mages um and t- um, a lot of his motivation for trying to drive magic out of the world is based on atrocities that happened after this war, or that continued to happen after this war, because the war just fragmented the world into different little countries that kept trying to kill each other. Yeah, I think we had that backstory in the PS3 version. I remember there being a big cinematic yeah. thing about yeah. about it. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't quite sure how much it translated across, so I can't even remember how many specifics they went into. But yeah, so 
I don't remember that going into any real detail, though, in the PS3 version. Uh, no, there was a big cinematic. I remember it was the um, the other Oliver's, um, his, his right, big right, right. Focus, because yes. he was really disenchanted with the world, and that's how he fell into darkness. Yes, that BS. Did, did it mention the part where, actually, I'm not even sure if this was in the game itself. It's in the book. Um, in the book, there is a short, um, a short story from the point of view of a girl. Basically, um, the the mate, the what was the mage of darkness's name in English? Shadar. Thank you, Shadar. Is Jabo in Japanese? Okay, so Shadar was a a mage soldier for this one country who was. Well, he ended up deserting and was almost killed for desertion because he refused to to completely wipe out this village. And specifically, he, res- um, he saved the life of this little girl who would have been killed by, his, uh, uh, by some of his comrades. And that's, that's one of the reasons why he turned into this really bizarre combination of Dark Lord and Pacifist. Um, and as it turns out, the little girl whose life he saved later... Um, well... She's Alicia, Oliver's mom. Hello? Yeah, I don't remember the game giving that much detail. I know. Well, yeah. you so, unlocked some stories in the game. I don't remember how. <laughs> and I yeah, think uh, that, that may might... have been one of them, but I don't know if it was real explicit about her being Alicia. Um, I'm tr- trying, trying to remember if it's in... Um, let me check to see if the book... Oh, yeah. Yeah, page 320 in the book. It's the diary of a girl who... It's the diary of the girl, and the way it's written, it's implied that it is actually Alicia. Yeah. Again, totally would have cared more if the game had done a better job putting that in there. Mm Mm-hmm. Makes me yeah. wish I could read that damn book. It's a really pretty book, by the way. Yes, it, yes, it is. I, oh, I've, it's gorgeous. I've got copies of it right now, and it's really nice. So, I um, yeah, they were giving out extra copies with the PlayStation version in Jap- in Japan. So I've got a second one. I'm still in the plastic wrap. Hmm. But yeah, it's Nino Kuni's just like I said. It's a, it's a weird little game and. You know, I I wanted to love it love it more than I did, but I just I had the hardest time with it. I really did. Um, and you know, like for what it's worth, I mean, it is still one of the nicest looking PS3 games out there. I seem to uh, remember Adrian complaining that your AI was really stupid. Um, yeah, we talked about that a little bit. Uh, okay. Sometimes it was a case of the hit detection where the characters would go and uh, hit someone at random. Um, or they would take mm-hmm. your glims from you, which drove me crazy. So glims are these little gems okay. that appear on the battlefield and they either heal your um, your MP or your HP. I don't know how many times I was robbed of glims. <laughs> Guys, don't take my glims. It, 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 I want really those. Helps. It really helps once you buy the perk that just makes them automatically all come to you. The vacuum, yeah. Yeah. Although sometimes I wanted them to yeah. pick them up and they didn't. I was like, hey! <laughs> like, guys, you need to pick it up. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, plus, one other thing that was changed was the uh, the super 
powered glims, the ones that let you do the, the really pa- strong stuff. In the in the DS game, um, the way it worked was if you if you hit an enemy's elemental weakness, or or if you shielded your comrades from an enemy attack, different things like that, or if you or simply if you avoided an attack, you would get these bonus points that would add up, and eventually you would um, be able to use a super attack for that whichever character it was. Unfortunately, the way they did it in the DS game, it was really hard to get enough point of these points to be of any use in any given battle, and they did not stock up between battles. So you very rarely saw it, even with some of the bosses. Yeah, you were lucky if you could get one of those super glims to even come up once in a while. Yeah, yeah. and they made it even harder to get for the PS3 version, yeah. Because I remember I'd get one once and I'd be like, oh, that's awesome, and then like I wouldn't see it for like another 30 battles. Or yeah. even longer sometimes. And definitely in the boss fights, it was very sparingly they appear. Yeah. I don't think uh, I had it happen very often. At least for the DS boss fights, those usually lasted long enough that if you know if you knew what the boss's weaknesses were going in and or if you knew its attack pattern, you could actually get multiple special attacks per battle just by being able to avoid block or hit weak point for massive damage on a regular basis. Again, sounds like it was better. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're just making me sad here, okay? Yep. You feel like that game was the better of the two. It was. I'm sorry, little man. You know, admittedly, I still like the soundtrack. I thought the soundtrack was really good. And that's one of the other few Ghibli, uh, Ghibli things that actually appears in the game is, um, and you know how to say his name better than I do. Michael. You mean Joe Hisaishi? Hisaishi, that's his name. His, um, I mean, he's done pretty much every single Ghibli movie out there. Ever. Ever. And this game was no exception. Like, the soundtrack is just, it's gorgeous. Um, Yeah, I I had the chance to play the the old TGS demo cartridge once, because I I think it was was Adrian who let me borrow it for a while. No, it was Chris. Chris let me borrow it for a while. And then he insisted very strongly that I mail it back to him. Um, very strongly insisted. Um, but uh, when you load up the Nino Kuni demo, it's, it has a little pop-up message that says, be sure to play this with earphones because, seriously, the music is awesome. I mean, <laughs> al- allowing for translation, yeah, that's pretty much what it says. Let's see how that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I just, I okay, love well, it. It's a little more, little more formula, um, formula. As in, this game incorporates a full symphony orchestra for the music, and if you do not wear earplug or earphones, then you will be losing some of the experience. That sounds about right. Sadly, the DS speakers are not the greatest in the world. Please understand. (laughs) Yes. So, um... Now, is there anything else really to talk about? I mean... The book! Yeah, let, let me just sit here and be jealous. Oh, wait, mine's in my cupboard. Oh, wait, no, it's in the basement. Damn it, Scott. <laughs> Hurry up, Scott. Go get it. So, yeah, so we have the book, and, well, well, actually, what it really reminds me of, since I've, I've been playing the Space Quest games a lot recently, do you, um, did you guys ever play any of those? Back at, like, 91, 92, 
I was horror. not cool enough for Space Quest. Mm. I was spending well, I, all my allowance on fantasy games. Well, I, I, I just remember that. I just remember that my dad borrowed a copy of Space Quest Four from a friend of his at work way back when, and it came with the little manual. But the manual was actually a set up as a magazine with like news articles, advertising, hints hidden in everything. Just unique. Um, it was all just like a non-digital digital rights um, protection thing, where you needed the manual, you needed all the little hints and tricks inside to figure out how to get through the game. And that's pretty much what the book is here for Nino Kuni. You cannot complete the DS game without this book. Or a very detailed online guide. And so, I mean, it's thing, I mean... Well, that that is different than the usual portable game, which does presume Working something much bigger than the console itself along with you. Yeah. So, I mean, just as an example, in order to get any of the spells, um, you have to draw them with the touchpad first. And so it's got an entire section that is just the diagrams on how to write these magic runes and a bit of story, or just like a little bit of description for flavor, flavor text, about each of these spells. Which you totally get in the PS3 version, minus the fact that you draw them. But you can read up about it if you, if you want yeah. to. Providing, yeah. like Becky said, you find the pieces for it. Yeah. Oh, but the thing in the PlayStation 3 version, you have to find the pieces, and you can, you, you can get the spells without having to know the, what the runes are. Whereas in the DS game, you have to draw the things. And depending on what the spell is, you may have to repeatedly draw them. The things because for like the uh, the heart piece and heart cure spells, I mean a lot of these that you can just draw, uh, you can cast from memory from the magic menu. But anything that comes from a dialogue prompt, you, you usually have to draw it. So there's f- about four or five spells that you pretty much memorize the, the symbols for by the end of the game. And okay. then there's the the secret code. Um, the the last Last few pages of the book, they have a secret code that you have to use to decipher special messages within the book. Um, most of these are just parts of side quests. Um, at least one of them is a requirement to get into the Dark Lord's castle. I mean, just stuff like this. Um, yeah, there's an entire quest line that's based around finding little. Um, being able to answer specific questions about different pictures in the book. And you have to... Or solving riddles based on information in the book. Hmm. Yeah. And, um... The, there was this one guy who appears towards the end of the PlayStation 3 game, the uh, the World Guide, or something like that. He looks really weird, like a rabbit head, I think. Oh, yes. Creepy rabbit thing. Yeah, creepy rabbit thing is actually the guy Guardian of the Dream World in the DS game. You go there sometimes when you have a rest at the inn, and you can get special. You can get special monsters out of it. You can get special treasures, but very often you need to answer his riddles first. And most of these riddles cannot be answered directly from or from direct observation in the game. So, like at one point, he asks, "Well, how many fish are flying in the sky right now?" You can't see the sky, 
um, from your view, point of view in the game. But if you open the book to, um, I think, what is it right here? Page 262, there is just a two-page spread, just this beautiful illustration of the dream world, and you can count how many fish are in the sky. Yeah, they made you do something similar in the PS3 version, but like you said, it was never really obvious what the answers were. Like, I was so happy when somebody on GameFAQs just compiled all the damn answers, because I was like, you know what, this is not fun. This is not fun to try to figure out this riddle, when a lot of the time the riddles were something that you had to really backtrack for, in a lot of cases. And this game has lots of backtracking, so Mm -hmm. it wasn't a fun yeah. backtracking. Um, especially for like a lot of the side quests. So in this game, uh, some of the side quests require you to have Oliver take a piece of somebody's heart and give it to somebody else. Or like a specific emotion. So it could be something like courage or strength. Enthusiasm. Yep. And like you're passing it on to somebody who clearly needs it because they're broken hearted. Mm-hmm. Which I actually admittedly liked that at first and then just everybody needs your darn help in that game. <laughs> yeah, they um, they actually increase. I think they increase the number of, number of broken hearted cases in PS3 game because there were yeah um, and had more book reference stuff in the DS game. Hmm. So I, I can tell you right now, some of my elementary school students back in the day, or actually even three years ago. They really enjoyed the stuff with the book. I mean, I I wouldn't blame them. I think if the book was translated, I probably would have read it and I probably would have enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. You know, like I I actually don't mind doing that kind of stuff, but I don't know. The PS3 game, a lot of the side quests felt very chorish. I mean, most side quests do, but a lot of the time, Mm -hmm. a lot of the broken-hearted stories were very generic. Um, A lot of the time, I just found myself caring, like, what was going on. That part didn't change too much, but at the same time, you were also able to explore more of of Oliver's hometown, actually, and get hearts from there, too. Yeah, I think that was still doable in the PS3 version, wasn't it? Um... Not not as many sites available in the PS3 version. Okay. Yeah, the town was pretty limited when you were there. There were only like three or four places you'd go. Yeah, there, there was a bulldog, I remember that. The bulldog was new for the PlayStation 3 version. I like the bulldog. Yeah, that was that was funny. I remember laughing when I when I realized who the Pirate King's um doppelganger was. Doppelganger was yeah. the bulldog. Yeah. <laughs> As a bulldog owner, and yet, and yet, it, it looks so much like him. Yeah, those are the bug jowls. Yeah, yeah. That that was one of the that was one of the part the new parts of the story that I actually liked was the bit with the dra- with the pirate king and his dragon. I just wish that they had kept it at the original lo- location on the other side of the of the map, so that we could still have the the ghost pirates storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. There, Phil, we talked about Nino Cooney. Quite a bit. And it seems like I was right. There are no Coonies. That just sounds dirty. Yeah, the entire time you guys didn't bring up Coonies once. 
Well, partly because we're not speaking in Japanese, so you wouldn't really get the fact that Kuni means country in in English. Hmm. So, yes, we've been discussing quite a few Kunis, if you really want to get technical. Yeah, this is no. true. I didn't hear Kunis. Oh, that's okay. because okay, your Phil. ears are operating on the wrong language, Phil. So maybe, maybe we can satisfy Phil if we start talking about Pakistan. <laughs> so so it sounds like as a group you have mixed reactions to this game, but the critics were overwhelmingly positive about it. Why the discrepancy? We're picky. <laughs> um, they didn't finish the game a lot of the time. That's also a possibility. In, in, in my case, like I said, I really love the DS game, and I'm a bit meh on the PlayStation game. And I loved the PlayStation game up until a certain point, at which point it got a little tedious and the plot kind of fell apart. And as we've already discussed, that's a problem with the PlayStation game. Yep. So. Sam hated it. Yes. Mm. It, it seems that game trailers gave it a Best RPG of 2013 award. Interesting. That, that was a slim year. I did. Uh, <laughs> I did. Oh I did receive a tweet from uh, one of my 131 followers, and it says "fiery death to Akihiro Hino." Was Fiery death. Uh, it's it's man. from at foul sorceress. Yeah. <laughs> 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 My husband really hates Akihiro Hino. I, I wish I mean I, we could say nice things, but like I said, he watched me Gundam play a lot of a lot of Nino Kuni, and he just spent a lot of time screaming and yelling in the background, going, "I, I don't get why people like this." I'm like, "I don't either, sweetie. It's okay. Just roll with it." Wait, wait. He's right here. Hold on a second. Here you go, sweetie. Fiery death. <laughs> Okay. I'm hearing a whole lot of fiery death tonight. We we might want to watch that. Well, um, yeah, yeah. I I guess after listening to you all, I would I would share his his sentiment as far as wondering why. Eighty six percent on game rankings. The the source for knowing whether or not a game is good or not. You know what? Like I said, there are people who clearly. You know, they love this game, and that's okay. I mean, the whole point of game culture is all over the place, whatever. Um, I, I was super hyped. I had horribly high expectations, and it managed to completely not make any of them. So, I mean, I remember the year that we did the awards, and I believe it had won, like, the most disappointing. Because... A lot of the staff really didn't like it, and, and it's kind of normal for us when you think about it. Like the RP gamer staff tends to be like, "Oh my god, that thing's popular, therefore we don't like it." Um, not always, because nah, we've also proven otherwise quite a few times. That's true, but you know, Cooney was definitely a case where we were on the lower end. I mean, Adrian only gave it a seventy on Metacritic, so. Well, again, that was more. Uh, that also has to do with RP Gamer staff has the, um, in one way, responsibility, in another way, luxury of finishing the game before they review it. Whereas I know I was unable to do that. You were on a horrible time. schedule. Yeah, you were on a I was on schedule. a. I was on a really strict deadline, so 
I got through actually a fair bit of the game, but I didn't get to the parts that were not as good. So my score was probably higher than the score I would give it after actually almost finishing it. I never got finished the final boss, but at that point I was like, you know what? I don't care. I don't want to go through all of the Falderall beforehand, and I just don't care because the be- the best part of the story ended a long time ago. <laughs> so final boss, first first part, second part, or third part of the final boss. Uh, I, I got to the final part of the final boss and so, almost beat it and I can't remember. I think everybody fell over at once and I couldn't get them back up in time and I yelled and put the controller down and said that's it. I know. I, I kind of, I did kind of like what they did to create the final final boss and story-wise I think they completely failed the presentation but well, it was just it was um, so the White Witch was I uh, mean Okay, so we might as well actually go into the this part of the story. Uh, um, so supposedly the White Witch used a spell. It's it's actually included in the book and for the DS version, and it's got these huge red warning symbols all over it. So if you can actually translate it with the special code, it translates as "Don't use this ever." And um, so in the PS3 version, the White Witch. Um, I can't remember the exact reasons why she thought using the spell would be a good idea, but she accidentally destroyed her own, own kingdom with it. And um, she spent she has spent the millennium or two since then, it, effectively in solitary confinement inside her own head on her on her little isle, um, magic island. And so her entire council of advisors, except for one, are literally voices in her head that she has given flesh. And the one that is not turns out to be the ghost of her father, who we discussed before was actually a, a special boss in the DS game and the guy who created Mage War in that backstory. So that was kind of weird. And then the fact that, okay, so you beat the White Witch once at the end. You beat her more powerful form at the end. She looks like she's actually about to, to come to her senses and stop being evil, and then the voices in her head that she herself gave power to decide, no, we're not going to let you do this. We are in charge here. We are going to kill everything. At least I hope that's what happened, because again, I was playing all this in Japanese, and I didn't really want to play through that battle a second or third time. So I'm yeah, no, I, think that's, I think that's pretty much what happened. It was pretty much a, an excuse for one of Level 5's ridiculous end boss fights that I really wish they'd stop doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but as far as Space Flea from Nowhere goes as a trope, that was that was better done than most. <laughs> uh, that sounds like Norman Bates, except with multiple people inside his head. <laughs> well, I, I was going to compare it more to Zemus and Zeromus from Final Fantasy IV, but with a bit more, more craziness added in. Okay. I'm fine with yeah. that. Well, so this uh, this just uh, this just brings me to my point that as with this aside from the oh. aside, brings me to oh, yeah, it the biggest letdown for 2013. Yes, it was, and I wrote it. Yep. This brings me to the point of why people need to visit RPGamer.com, listen to the RPG backtrack and the such, because we, the RPG experts, who actually play well. 
I don't actually play mini games all the way through. But these reviewers, <laughs> like Mr. Meeky, who put their body and soul on the lines, who actually play these games all the way through, can give you a better angle and a better review than some of these guys at other websites that I won't mention, IGN, who simply play for, you know, maybe half the game or less and give you basically their impression. I think you're being very generous <laughs> with regard to that that site you coughed out there. Half the game seems very, very long <laughs> for some of its reviews. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, to, to be fair, Nina Kuni does does make a really nice impression towards the beginning with the the art and the I mean just all the graphics and the music. It's a very it's a beautiful game. You know, and like I said, just, like, I don't like it. I don't take that away from it because visually and in terms of its soundtrack, you know, it, it is top notch. It's lovely. It's lovely to look at. It's incredibly imaginative. Uh, but just. Like I said, everything else just didn't work. My, my next question is, why didn't oh, we get... Becky had something to say, people. I, I was just going to say, I, I do think that, you know, even um, even if you do play all the way through, um, you know, you may like it, because yeah. there are plenty of people who, who have, and I, I did like it most of the way through. Um, so, you know, it's really your mileage will vary. It's a very sort of personal thing. I think it helps Absolutely. if you don't expect a Studio Ghibli level um, quality story. <laughs> because well, it's not as... Well, and I think that was the problem with the game to begin with, right? You hear level 5 teaming up with Studio Ghibli and you automatically assume that should be a recipe for greatness. <laughs> you, you assume that Studio Ghibli is actually writing the story because why wouldn't they be? Okay. <laughs> but exactly. apparently they didn't. So, I mean... And, that, and, and Becky's 100% right. I truthfully do not like the game at all. However, I will totally respect those that do because they clearly have a connection to it that was clearly lacking for me. And that's okay. I mean, I feel like this is one of those games where it's just very polarizing. It's, it's either you really love it or you absolutely do not like it. And, or you are Becky and you're kind of in between, but you recognize that there are both problems and good things. Yep. Like I said, majority of my friends, they don't like the game. Um, I know plenty of people that do like the game. And like I said, it's, a, it's really a case of different strokes for different folks. And yeah, that theme of, of loving games despite their flaws on the occasion is actually going to come up a little bit later in the show in the final lap. Um, okay, it sounds like you guys have pretty well covered uh, this game. I now have, uh, while you guys were talking and leaving a, a strong impression on me, I went into my, I got this huge uh, DVD case with all my PlayStation 2 and 3 games in them. It holds like 200 or so. Uh, they're in alphabetical order by genre, of course. And I found my Nina Cooney disc, and it is now being used as a coaster. So thank you all very much uh, for your, because now you've, you've shown me what the true purpose of that disc is. And uh, we're going to take a break. I'm just kidding. Are, are you going to petition to get the DS version and its book translated now? Yeah, no, no, I'm cool there. You, you're sure? Internet petitions are so successful on a regular basis. You know, if I name it after a weather phenomenon, I think it might work. But Project, uh, project Extraordinarily <laughs> Late Nino Cooney Fall. Nino Cooney Fall. See, that's what I'm talking about. Now you get it. It's, it just it just might work. Uh, anywho. Uh, 
<laughs> that actually makes sense of the story. Oh, oh, I, I, I actually forgot this. Um, I, I mentioned the uh, the white ash spell is, is available in the DS version. It has all the big warning signs on it. Did I, did I mention what happens if you actually use it? No. no what happens? Um, you take damage and you forcibly forget half of your magic spells, and you have to re, re um, have to put them back in. <laughs> That's kind of awesome. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I mean, they gave it. They gave the spell a name like "Ashes of Rebirth," and they're practically t- like they're just asking you to try it out just to see what happens, considering the storyline. And um, so, yeah, it, it, it'll make you forget several spells. It'll actually it'll hit you so hard that you lose several spells out of your memory. Ow! So, okay. 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 Sorry, I was just thinking. Uh, no, that that's actually kind of neat. <laughs> I think yeah. it's pretty funny myself. Yeah. Uh, you know how often how often in a game is there a do not push button and you either actually have to push it or, or you just want to <laughs> or the game won't let you push it, right? It very rarely Spence ever has. actually lets you push it but you shouldn't have. <laughs> uh, okay, I, I mentioned Space Quest before because I'm playing a lot, but Space Quest 1 actually, on an escape pod, it has a do not press button. And if you're stupid enough to press it, it will take, it'll teleport you into a different game series by the same company, and you end up crashing into the moat and getting eaten by dragon crocodiles. Ah, so it teleports you into King's Quest. Yes, it does. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, see, in the old days... And the, days, and the okay, message yeah. says, we told you not to press it, seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I will amend. I will amend my statement. In the olden days, they had stuff like that all the time, but nowadays they rarely do. <laughs> yeah. 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 And other last thoughts. One of the few things. One of the things that actually disappointed me the most about the PS3 version is they took out my favorite boss. Which one was your favorite? Well, um, it was the boss that becomes the the electrical summons spell for Oliver so they ended up replacing it with the jellyfish thing if you remember that yeah. but um, in the DS version it was this was the boss that guards the coastline where the frog castle is and it looks like a giant anglerfish built out of old shipwreck parts I am intrigued it's, at, it's one of my favorite designs, boss designs in the game and I was kind of disappointed that it was the only boss that did not make it over to the DS, I mean, to the PlayStation game. Again, because they replaced it with the electric jellyfish, and so they didn't think they needed it anymore. And I finally remember, I think it was the electric jellyfish was, like, the boss I had the hardest time with. Yeah. I think that was a pain in the butt. (sighs) Because I don't remember any of the other bosses being hard. I just remember that one drove me crazy, and I know I had to do it, like, more than three times. Because it was cheap. <laughs> Anyways. Are we done talking about Nino Kuni? Well, uh, yeah. the part where you'd say, hey, you can pick it up for five bucks generally. Yeah, actually, I got this, uh, I got this Nino Kuni coaster over here on sale for next to nothing. Uh, uh, you can you can buy it for five bucks, and honestly, it's kind of worth that. I was going to yeah. say that's actually a great price for it. Say like five bucks would be a pretty good price for it. 
Because you can get some really nice gameplay out of it, and once you get tired of where the story's gone, you've probably actually seen the good parts anyway. You got a really good <laughs> coaster. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's the best part. Is uh, it's eleven oh, bucks, you know and yeah, the beginning sequence is, is worth that eleven bucks. So and I was gonna say, and it goes down to five bucks digitally every so often. And I, and Becky's right, that really is the best take the game. It's a lot less than what I paid for. Anyway, um, all right, now that I regret a certain section of my life, whew, uh, we're going we're gonna to take a break and we'll be right back. just gonna you know some usually we do a separate like import corner section with a game like that but they were so integrated that we're just gonna you know we've already pretty much covered both so we're gonna jump right into our next segment the final segment the final lap we just pretty much talk about the kitchen sink tell you what's coming up next read your comments and yeah like like the comments on that last episode which was um uh different from our usual fare (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, doing uh, boudet. Is that boudet? Is that like a nice way of saying booty? Boudet? It reads like, it reads like boudet to me, but... Okay. Uh, it says, I'm doing a literal backtrack. I've been doing a literal backtrack. I think there is another listener doing the same, but I've been listening to the shows in reverse order. About to start the infamous Disgaea episode... I don't always die. Infamous? No, that was like our best show, right? Because, I mean, the quality of our shows is completely determined by the length. So I'm pretty sure that was like, wasn't that our best show, Mike? Uh, I have no comment here. <laughs> okay. No, I, I have nothing to say. Super Robot Wars episode, because I remember that Ooh. being very long Dis- as well. Disgaea was actually slightly longer. Wow. Oh, wow. wow. I don't which ones have I actually been in on? For lengthwise? How long was the saga? I don't remember any of them passing... Like, the Deiskea episode went over four hours. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> that that was partially because we recorded it in two segments. Uh, and that was because something went wrong during the recording and we lost an hour and we didn't feel like doing it all over again for some odd reason. Yeah, in one night. <laughs> Um, shoot. Uh, he says, well, the Etrinasi episode was pretty long, and uh, he or she uh, enjoyed it a lot. So we are glad. Thank you so much for that uh, for that feedback. We enjoy doing these shows. Uh, <laughs> I like how Apps is like, on the Desai episode, good luck to you. <laughs> he would know. He was there. Uh, let's see here. What does Bobby Watson say, Mike? 
really enjoying the episode so far. Just finished the discussion about the first game. Don't know why. I like it when people talk about bad games. It's always funny. Well, uh, yeah, it's oh. probably a lot. It's a lot, lot funnier to hear us talk about them than to play them. That's for I sure. was about to say. I know why Bobby <laughs> enjoys it because he's laughing at our pain and sorrow. Oh come on, Phil! You know you want to play Secret of the Stars now. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Regarding uh, backtracking, the backtrack I've somewhat done this last year, although I skipped a few episodes here and there. Well, why why you got to do that? Now you're not really backtracking; you're doing a selective backtrack. That's something totally different. Yeah, it's like select trackers. A- anyways, I was just gonna say, uh, and he also mentioned the background music was pretty loud. Thank you with that. You know, I do appreciate that kind of technical feedback. Um, I edit the shows, I put them together, and I generally use the same process every time. But occasionally, like in this case, I guess a bug got in there, and while I do listen to like the transitions and the stuff to make sure that those all kind of got put together well. I don't listen to the entire four-hour episode (laughs) again after being on it. Um, So uh, I would have... I just... I did not realize that there was was an audio issue there. Uh, Thankfully, uh, if I'm given enough notice, because I usually keep those uh, original files for a few months, um, and then I have to delete them, because the original audio files from these recordings are are gigabytes big, and, and I do have a lot of other stuff on my my two terabyte hard drive so uh, eventually I do uh, purge them so uh, thank you Bobby for pointing that out I still got the original file so I will get that uh, corrected sometime hopefully this weekend and get a new version uploaded to our servers uh boy the the madness <laughs> the madness yells Iden Chronicles did not exist there is no such game on the N64 and certainly not one that I rented years ago only to play for 20 minutes before immediately returning it for being a horrifying abomination that haunts my nightmares to this day. Certainly no such thing has ever existed. And if it ever did, it would not have multiple 10 out of 10 reviews on GameFAQs. <laughs> that, that sounds startlingly like my experience with never having ever seen the Dungeons & Dragons movie. <laughs> And uh, a good thing. And if you happen to do a quick search on Game Facts, you will in fact find numerous ten out tens, <laughs> along with ones out of tens, just like the Dungeon Dragons movie. Ay yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I will totally get on that N sixty four bandwagon and go play Iden Chronicles. That is totally on my list of things to do right behind uh, cleaning out the dust from the canyon behind the house. That's... No, no. N64 episodes are pretty hard to do for some reason on the RPG backtrack. I can't imagine why. Well, how many RPGs were actually on... (laughs) Uh, Uh, Are we counting Zeldas? Zeldas? Sure. Well, okay, because that's good, because that's like half of them. Because uh, then you can use maybe one and a half hands to count them all with your fingers. Mm-hmm. So, Conquer's Bad yeah, Fur so Day was totally an RPG. <laughs> it sure was! Boy, all those rare games are RPGs. That Banjo-Tooie and that Donkey Kong 64 and all the others, those are great RPGs that have aged perfectly, I'm sure. So the good news is that you won't be doing any more N64 backtracks because you've run out of games. Well, let's see. There was Ogre Battle 64, which for some reason was mentioned when we talked about Ogre Battle. I can't imagine why. 
for some reason we I, talked I, about. I, okay. I liked Ogre Battle sixty four. Well, also that was that was not a game that we would talk about on a really really bad show. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, if you notice what what we were talking about on the last episode, um, Quest sixty four was one of them. <laughs> I don't think anyone is ever has ever praised that to the skies. I'm sure I'm about to be I'm about to be proved wrong by someone who digs it up, but I can't even say I didn't play Quest 64. That's the one of these games we talked about last time that I didn't touch, and I certainly don't feel the lack after all the crap that I played for that last one. You did it to yourself. I did. I built character, though, as Calvin's dad would say. Is that the story? <laughs> You don't build enough character. That's your problem, Sam. You need to go shovel the walk. Oh, and then, And then every time you do that and somebody doesn't have to buy a snowblower and saves a few hundred dollars, then you've built character. Okay. Uh, Victor, uh, Victor says, <laughs> I did Chronicles is one of the RPGs on my backlog. So is Hybrid Heaven, another little known in 64 RPG. I am hoping that one day RPG Backtrack will spend more time on both. <laughs> wow, some people are just out to crush our soul. Speaking of, he says that the soul that, or the RPG that crushed his soul was the original wizardry on the NES. Ambushing ninjas that decapitated heroes permanently killing them caused so much suffering that he started yelling, or he started naming his heroes 1111111222222222, etc., just so he wouldn't get too emotionally attached. After hours of level grinding a party on floor four just to watch them die to ninjas again, his despair was complete. Victor, if you want to relive those memories, but in the palm of your hand, we got this excellent game for you. It's called Dark Spire. Um, anyways. <laughs> That's just cruel. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. He played Beyond Beyond shortly afterward. Compared to Wizardry, it was an experience of joy and wonder. I, I get I just... I, <laughs> yes, the random battles were excruciating. Doubly so is the class change dungeon with invisible holes that force endless backtracks through random battle infested wastelands. Well, Beyond the Beyond is a bad game, and no one should play it, but he will always love it. He didn't play Quest sixty four for long. God, how do you how do you even? <laughs> just, I guess that answers your question, guys, of how some of these b- bad games can get like ten out tens or or whatever. <laughs> is somebody had played Wizardry one right before? <laughs> Because Wizardry one on NES on the NES. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So by comparison, yeah, anything's better. Anything's better. Holy cow! I've never heard of Secret of Stars before. It was reviewed on the site. It looks exactly like the kind of game I would buy if not for your advice. It does. If okay. not for our advice, if not for our advice, the, the box art must have been catching. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, RPG Backtrack for saving me fifty dollars. What's that? The only reason I ever played that game was because I found it for a $1 rental at this little um, game and video rental place in the middle of nowhere on one side of town that I think the place went out of business six months later. I never saw it again Mm. until I found a copy over here in Japan, and I was like, okay, Akutalian, what in the world is this game, and why is it $30? And I went home, and I looked up, and I'm like, oh, hell no. Oh, how is that thirty dollars? Well, seriously, you would, probably, you would probably understand it a lot better playing it in Japanese than with the horrid translation. <laughs> that's still no reason. Well, to yes, play it. it's, it's garbage. Exactly. I mean, I 
that, that's a fairly high price for an old fami- Super Famicom game over here. And I've seen much better games, much more deserving games, just with lower price points. So I, I just, I'm guessing it had a fairly low print run over here. I can't imagine why. Yeah, it looks or something. So pr- it looks so pretty. <laughs> yes, it looks. It looks like one of the best NES games I've ever seen. Wait, it's not NES. What's it, it came out in '93. Hey, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, and Victor also mentioned that apparently he made the right call when he got rid of his copy of Ephemeral Fantasia. Yes, you did. You did make the right call. <laughs> I just want to insert like that a clip, a sound clip from GI Joe right there. It goes, "And knowing is half the battle." GI Joe. Ay, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, TechSide says this was a lot of fun. He also mentioned the audio issues. Said mercifully he missed a lot of these games. He did remember an old issue of a Nintendo Power promising that Tecmo Secret of the Stars was innovative and wonderful. <laughs> the joke's on you. Had anybody else who read that? Woo. Well, the, the, remember the Nerds episode on Nintendo Power? I think he covered a lot of the stuff that that magazine could put out. <sighs> It accompanied, it accompanied its filthy lies with screenshots which revealed the truth and also taught an impressionable young me about the concept of cognitive dissonance. Let's go back to the past. You, you want could, me to do this? Yeah, go ahead. Jay Willikers, Mr. Peabody, why does the text of this article say that this game is interesting and has a great story about two generations of heroes but the pictures look like crap? I'm confused. I am a seriously terrifying figment of your imagination and resent being used to help visualize your memories. Thanks, jerk. <laughs> tech side goes on and says this episode did leave me thinking though why do people like bad games well see we've already answered your question reading the earlier comments because they played wizardry one on the nes first i'm not speaking well, of cases well, phil, phil you know that if a certain person ever listened to anything we record for this site then he would have chimed in to say that beyond the beyond is truly a wonderful game and we're all idiots for not seeing its majesty you know who that person is Sam and knows yet, who that person is. We all know who that person is, and yet this is also the same person who agrees with you on Secret of the Stars and Ephemeral <laughs> Fantasia. Consistency is not to be found in his arguments. We know this after having read them. True, true, true enough. Uh, that's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is that these two games are so awful that even he, this person, cannot deny <laughs> how awful they are. We could name him. He never listens to these. We know that. True, but it's more fun this way. Yeah. Yeah. So, this person who shall go unnamed for as long as we find it amusing, yes, even he has games he will not play for reasons of quality and not reasons of the fact that they have monster-catching elements or action RPGs or <laughs> or somehow too many player characters. All- Portable games. Otherwise, fall outside the very strict, rigid, straight jacket <laughs> guidelines of his RP paradigm. So. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, sh- <laughs> uh, oh, Sam needs to leave. Thank you so much for being on the show, Sam. Good night, Good night. people. Good night, Sam. I'm sorry Take we had to talk. Talk. I'm sorry we talked about Sam. that guy. We'll pr- probably give you nightmares. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks. Good night. See, Becky's my favorite. She didn't traumatize me. Oh, jeez. Just, just imagine, just imagine, cute dancing Totoro. 
not. I'll and take then, my big stinky bulldog. And then whack them over the head a few times. Actually, that's a great idea. I don't know how we got into the subject of time and eternity with this thread, but uh, I guess you could talk about that too, but that's probably also nightmare fuel. Yeah, let's not make her talk about that. Don't, 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 bring, school. Up, don't bring it up. Shh. You know, I feel... I feel sad right now. I'm leaving. Goodbye. Good night. Hey, everyone. Good night. <laughs> uh, and then, well, and then Apps just adds fuel to fire by saying perhaps we should uh, talk about that with Mugen Souls in the future. <laughs> so he, wa- he wants he wants an Idea Factory episode. That's what he's saying. This, uh, this crazy, like- psychotic man. What is his problem? Not Masochism. it. Not it. <laughs> uh, I don't think I've played one of their games since Neptunia of the first, so... <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure you're just crying your heart out every night over that. Yeah, I'm actually not allowed to play most of them due to my no-pants rule. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure there's I, a single one of them in wi- that, that doesn't have a character with no pants. Yeah, a, a couple years ago for... Right. Um, so most stores in Japan over the New Year's holiday, they they have lucky bags that you can buy. It's like three thousand yen or something for some really good bargains. So I ended up getting a couple PlayStation Three lucky bags um, that year, and one of the games I pulled out was Neptunia Two. So I, I I went through it for about five minutes before I got. I just was like, okay, there's Gynaxing on the obviously free team protagonist. Okay, let's just turn this off before my fiance actually comes back from the holidays and sees me with this. So, so out of the, out of the four games I got through the for the lucky bags, uh, one was um, one was Resident Evil Four, which I just did not want to play because I don't like zombie games. One was Neptunia. Mm-hmm. Two. One was Atelier Rorona, which would be great if I hadn't already owned it for three years. And the fourth one was Dragon's Dogma. So I took the the three games I didn't want and Neptune, the first, to a different, uh, to a used game store, sold them all off, and and actually came out 500 yen ahead. Wow. So I actually actually mentioned this on my Dragon's Dogma reviews, like, yeah, so since technically I got, I paid negative 500 yen for this game I really just felt like I was kind of obliged to review it and it's pretty good so here you go there you go yeah but no Idea Factory game sent (laughs) I I don't think you're going to find an Idea Factory game with character designs that will be acceptable among certain company it's just not going to happen no because they know who their audience is and it is not Becky so. Is not... Probably also not Nozomi. Oh, I, I think she would laugh and laugh, and then she would just like, seriously, are you playing this? I'm like, no, 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 no. So if you ever want to spawn I, an interesting I, conversation, there you go. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I think uh, Matthew, Matthew had a comment, Mike. Just getting caught up on my RPG backtrack episodes. Can't listen to headphones at the new job. And I am loving this. I just finished your take on Quest 64 yet. No mention of Dark Spire yet. Uh, we already talked about Dark Spire. That was in a 
previous episode, and it's a special case unto itself. We didn't need to bring it into this. Anyways, I grew up on Final Fantasy 1, 2, 3, Mystic Quest, Secret of Mana, and Evermore, and all I had was a measly N64. No PS1. Then I saw Quest 64. I was disappointed that it had no personality, but it never made my eyes bleed or anything. Well, that's good. If a game does make your eyes literally bleed, you should put it down and throw it outside your door and destroy it immediately with fire, I would say. In fact, I actually enjoyed it for the pile of crap it was. Not the same enjoyment of Final Fantasies 4 through 6, but it was all I had on the N64. And that's why the N64 is not looked back on by RP gamers with much fondness for... I can't imagine why. Last year at a retro game show, I picked up Quest 64 with the guidebook for under $10 so I can relive my hopeless experience vicariously through looking at the guide. Nay, never shall I play it again, but it's nostalgia. Well, sir, um... More power to you. If you had a good experience with it, I can't take that away. But I'm not going to play it and try to find out for myself. Sorry. Mm-mm. And, uh, you know, you too. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for all the comments. I mean, that's a lot of comments on this last show. It's It just seems like the, the ones on the good games, we get few <laughs> comments on. But the ones on the bad games... Uh, just kidding. Anyways, you can leave your comments at forums.rpgamer.com and join in on the discussion. We would love to hear from you. And uh, let's see here. Let's do a little roundtable. Let's find out what's going on today with Mr. Mike. Oh, wait, Mike. What Mike? Which? Mike Baker. Baker. <laughs> Baker. Yes? What's going on with you? What's up? What would you like well, to share with our audience? Well, I just... Well, since the weather's warmed up and I can actually open up all the rooms in my apartment without freezing, I've been playing PlayStation again. That's nice. Nice. So I finally finished Metal Saga. It just took about four hours of grinding. After you were talking about that, I picked it up off Amazon. I haven't played it yet, but I do have it available at hand. um, There are a few things that you will need to be aware of before you... um, so you don't accidentally block out some bosses. What? There's one or two bosses in there that you can accidentally screw yourself over on. Oh, but, goody. Uh, yeah, and otherwise, um, since the game really balances experience weird, um, and you only need 100 experience points to level up, four hours of level grinding equals 60, 60 levels of experience. If I, I if could, you know I where, could get behind that. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as grinding it, it wasn't that bad, um, especially since I had a couple major monsters to t- take out whenever I hit certain points. It was just, it was, I just wanted the game to be over. And that's not a normal experience for me with the series. You had so. mentioned that this is nowhere near as crazy as the Metal Max games. Yes, and um, I'm halfway through writing a review right now, and and at the very beginning, I make a point that if you just if you want something that's open and, and fair and reasonable towards this game, there's this other official review already on the site. Um, <laughs> this review is written from the viewpoint of someone who's played all, all of the mostly superior games that came before and after. So yeah, I'm, I'm ripping at a few uh, holes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not the most positive review on the planet. I'll just see if that's I, I'm gaining that impression already. 
Plus, the things you've had to say about it along the way led me to have that stance. I mean, there were some things that were, were that worked quite well, and there are a few case, a few points where I was reading through notes on, on one of the English FAQs, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of sorry I didn't get to read the English localization because, I mean, this this one boss, I mean, he's he's got, I mean, there, there's a series of bosses in this game that are all serious, um, all ridiculous, ridiculous muscled bodybuilder types and they have different roles in different games of the series and in Metal Saga you have a religious leader who is the muscle boss and in the Japanese he just makes various exhortations to God wills this and all that so it's very vague and apparently in the localized English version he makes frequent reference to Saint Arnold and the Blessed Turboflex <laughs> things like this <laughs> and so I mean I'm just like okay um, I don't know anything about the state of the rest of the localization but I would love to play it in English just for that <laughs> um, yes I um, will let you know whenever I do start it I've got yes so yes let's let's make this particular backtrack happen, happen and we can actually actually unfortunately it's probably it's going to be mostly import the backtrack. Um, if we get me on this, if we're topic. talking about the metal games, then yes, unfortunately it will be. Or yes. fortunately, I don't know. It, it means you get to talk about all these great things that you get to rhapsodize about, and everybody else gets to be envious of. Yep. I mean, you read the Metal Max Four review, right? I did. Yeah. Where it was like, I'm so sorry, you guys can't import this seriously. Stupid yeah. 3DS region lock. Yep. And and if you can, what, what are you waiting for? It's like, throw back a martini, pick up your great aid launcher, and let's ride. There's a space station up there with an anthropophagus carrot problem that needs solving. <laughs> and I'm not joking. <laughs> it's like every random thing I mentioned in that review actually happens in the game story. Including the man-eating carrots. I'm like, Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. It's gonna be this is gonna be a very fun conversation. Yeah. I think it will be. Anyway. What, so what's on your plate right now? Because I think you have lunch um, to go to soon, so you probably don't want to spend too much time here. <laughs> oh. Um well I spent part of the week playing through parts of Nino Kuni again and just for fun. But um right now I've got two different DS games I've been trying to work on. Uh, trying being the operative word. Uh-huh. Um, one of them is uh, Beat the Vandal Buster, uh, the DS game, which has issues with trying with letting me know where in the world I can go next or how to get there. You know, I remember reading the manga for that and finding it kind of fun, but I haven't tried it in about eight years, so I don't know what I think now. I, I haven't actually read the manga for it, but I did enjoy the Dragon... Quest manga that was done by the same guy before that series. Hmm. Which so, I have not seen. I don't know if that came over here. Um, quite possibly yes, because I know a friend of mine in Italy who's a huge manga fan recognizes characters from this manga. So um, it, look up something. It's The Japanese title is Daibokan, and so it's like Dai's Great Adventure or something in English, if it's in English at all. So, um, 
And the other game I was looking at, both of these games were published on the DS in 2005. Ooh, early generation stuff then. So um, if I ever finish either of these games, one of the big points I'll be making in the review is that in 2005 you cannot escape the fact that all the developers felt they absolutely had to use the touch controls. Oh, yeah. I I and, remember some most of the early stuff just mm-hmm. threw it in there all over the place yep. because and it had so, to. Uh, yeah, so for the, beat, the Vandal Buster game, you have issues where most, not all, but most of the menus do not recognize button controls. Oh, goody. Yeah. Whereas the other game I'm playing, uh, Hanjuku Heroes... Have you heard of Did, that one? I think I have. Doesn't that wasn't that made by Treasure? Am I remembering it's, right? It's a Square Enix game series. Okay. Two for Super Famicom, one for PlayStation, two, one for DS. And the DS one has touch control battles. These weird. Uh, are they are they turn based so, or are they action? They are. You have your. Li- little prince dude and he, his army of followers and you have to keep swiping along the the, the uh, touch screen in various directions to have them run straight at the enemy forces and whack them whack them, whack them dead. Oh no, you're giving me flashbacks to Heroes of Mana. We don't want to do that. Ugh. I have no idea how Heroes of Mana plays. I'm going to have to look that one up on YouTube just to see. Uh, imagine an, RT, an RTS on the DS with pretty much touch-only controls. Oh, this one's not even an, R- an RTS, because there's no strategy here. It's just you fling your guy. I mean, yeah, you don't even dis- oh, it's oh. this game would have worked really well on an iOS platform. Which unfortunately didn't control. exist in 05. Or, yeah. Well, maybe Square Enix seems to be intent on bringing everything it possibly can to iOS. That Maybe this will make the jump. Who knows? It might actually work better. Well. And after that, I'm not sure what I'm going to play because I need to go down the list of stuff I haven't finished yet. Um, Sword World 2.0, I need to actually look up a guide to figure out where, where how to get past the point I'm stuck on. And, uh, yeah. Unchained Blains, Exiv. No, not going back to that. No. Who did we get to review that? Was it Zach? I can't remember right now. Oh, no, that one's never come to America. Okay, there are too many Unchained Blades games. I can't keep them all straight right now. Yeah, two is too, too many, to be honest. (laughs) This is is the game that made me question whether or not I should ever buy, even consider buying a Furyu game again. And then not... Two months later, Legend of Legacy popped up on for advertising. I'm like, damn you, fate. Wow. <laughs> you made me want a Furyu game. Wow. Okay, so I think I've talked enough now. Shall we move on? Uh, who's next? It's Becky's turn, I think. Becky! All this should come as no surprise, but I've been spending a lot of time playing Story of Seasons. And Sam Woo-hoo! is gone. So she can't squeal about it with me, but we'll do that later. Well, my, okay, my, <laughs> that was scary. 
my wife is over here and she's squealing with you in spirit. Yay! Shirley has good taste. Becky says you have good taste in games because you like Story of Seasons. <laughs> Just said that over to her. Um, so what is so awesome about Story of Seasons, Becky? It just looks like another Harvest Moon ripoff game. It's the real Harvest Moon successor, just not called Harvest Moon anymore for various copyright and trademark reasons that are too tedious to result here. Get out! Totally. Maybe because the English title of the series is not the same as the Japanese title of the series and trademarks are held separately. Yes. The Japanese yep. name of the series in English is Farm Story, which really doesn't sound so great in English. And Story of Seasons doesn't sound as nice as Harvest Moon, but, you know, I couldn't think of anything better either, so what can you do? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty fun. They've got um, a lot of customization, a ton of different things to do. They have a manufacturing system, basically, um, in a lot of their little huts, so you can make wine and cloth and clothes and it's all sort of a multi-step process that sort of resembles how you would actually make those things so that's pretty cool um you know it's it's harvest moon and it's um i i uh the localization in this one is is quite good it's done by exceed now and so i'm appreciating that a great deal they've got, they've got fun little bits like you show a bunny to one of the characters who's always sort of a protective guy and he goes that's great that you've got the bunnies to trust you, but you should teach them about stranger danger and, you know, silly stuff like that. So that's a lot of fun. Ah. Little, and other than other than that, I'm busy looking forward to The Witcher 3, which is coming out. I think Phil can empathize with you on that one, right, Phil? Oh, yeah. The Witcher is just, is just so much fun. Uh, gosh, just so well written. Not yeah, just fun. Anyway, as, as as long as you don't play The Witcher one before the good localization patch. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely patch that bad boy up. Enhanced edition all the way. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I played the pre enhanced edition and then played uh, the enhanced edition and yeah. Yeah, no, it, it did. Oh, here the the pre enhanced edition was uh, was a little painful. They should have just called it the required edition. Yeah. Uh, the throw forget the last one edition. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah, and uh, boy, uh, you they, you can get the uh, if you haven't played any of the Witcher games, uh, you can get like on GOG, it's like nine ninety nine for the first one and nineteen ninety nine for the very excellent second one. So, uh, and sometimes and, those and are on actually, sale for half price. <laughs> well, if you buy the first one, you get almost that much in a discount off of the third one on GOG. Oh yeah, this is true. That's right. So. Yeah, yeah. I only got a discount for the second one because the first one I didn't get on GOG because I didn't know GOG existed at the time. But uh, yeah, I got it. I got it for like forty bucks. So, that's Phil, what cool. is this thing that you just alerted me on Twitter exists? Why did you tell me that this thing is on GOG now? Well, Becky, we're gonna get we're gonna things, get to that in a second. He, he alerted me that an Idea Factory game is on GOG. How should well, I thank him for me. that? Uh, I, don't I don't know about. A flaming dog poop on his doorstep sounds like appropriate. <laughs> We're going to talk about that in a minute, but right now it's not my turn, is it? <laughs> but anyway, yes, I, I bought I bought myself a new graphics card so that I can play The Witcher Three because if you're going to play it on PC, which is where it will be particularly pretty, you probably have to upgrade if you haven't lately. Yeah, I mean, even Witcher Two was pushing it. Uh, I had I, to tweak I my graphics card a bit. Witcher Two, but yeah, my 
I, I actually switched from uh, from uh, AMD over to NVIDIA, which I haven't done NVIDIA in a while, but AMD is not the best choice right now. So, hmm. Very exciting. Got to take apart my computer. The, the graphics card is so big. The graphics card is so big now that it barely fit in there. <laughs> like another like you know little touch and it wouldn't have fit. But oh yeah, they're they're horrible. Yeah, they're, they're, they're like huge computers onto themselves. Like the power supply, like it's this big thick cable. Actually, the power supply is pretty small for. Um, for the what I got a um, Nvidia now oh, I forget numbers I'm bad with numbers so I don't remember but it's the one that everyone's got right now, um, but it, it's more that it just has a giant heat sink on it. Happy heat sink. Yeah, oh it looks it's an excellent looking heat sink and it, it supposedly runs very cool so that's nice but yeah <laughs> it's just barely fit in my poor computer. Hmm. Anything else you would like to share? I think that's about it right now. Mr. Mankey. Uh-oh. Oh, it's my turn. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Remember that thing I reviewed a couple of weeks ago? That thing I was talking about in the last episode? That thing that mixes roguelikes and Etrian games? Yeah, oh, that thing. Oh, yeah, that thing. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that thing. We had a nice little discussion on it. Um... Apparently it goes on a lot longer after you beat the final boss and get the credits to roll, but I was done. Right. And did you actually dive headfirst into all of this extracurricular torture? I mean, content? No. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) After the 30th floor, 7th dungeon. Alright. Here's my big problem with one aspect of the game. You can only control all four characters when you fight a boss. Right. So you get you often get the thrilling as the thrilling sight of say you're in a corridor and an enemy is following you, and the per, the character that is directly contacting the enemy will get to attack it. And yes, your healers are smart enough to heal you, but your other two characters, say the one with a gun that should be able to shoot the stupid thing, or the magician that should also be able to hit the stupid thing, they'll just sit there. Oh, what are you doing over there? Oh, I guess you're fighting something. I don't care. Do 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 do. There, you can go do it all on your own. Ha <laughs> ha. Because the AI is just stupid in spots. And maybe I don't know. You might want to position your characters carefully. If because to kill DOEs, you have to inflict status ailments upon them. But your characters, they're kind of stupid. They might think that your perfect formation is completely and utterly to be disregarded. So they'll just move all over the place, even though they're in just the right spot to do whatever you need them to be while fighting a big enemy. And you just have to deal with it. Sorry. that's just, You just have to roll with it. Mm-hmm. Having said that, um, this is probably the most enjoyable roguelike I've ever played, but that may be a symptom of how many roguelikes I've played that I absolutely hated the guts of in the past. I don't hate the guts of this game. <laughs> So, we've made progress, I'm sure. Hmm. Can I play Etrian Mystery 2, Etrian Untold 2 now? I'm... I think you're okay to play. Yeah. <sighs> to move on uh, to a true Etrian... Uh, an un, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, an untainted Etrian experience. Untainted <laughs> by other um, titles. Uh, I have played a little of telepath tactics recently. I have come to the conclusion that 
either there is something wrong with whatever Adobe Flash program I'm using to play it, or there's a problem with the game itself, because I got into a battle where once everything starts moving, there are a lot of enemies, it slows down to a crawl like you like a shoot 'em up on early Super Nintendo, and it stays that way the whole battle. What would have been a 30-40 minute fight turned into almost three hours. The slowdown was that bad. Ew. So, uh, there have been a couple of patches released since. Ever since I sacrificed three hours last weekend, I'll I'll upload both of them and see what happens. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm... It, it has potential, maybe. Sure. It has potential. And I've also been playing Avernum 2 Crystal Souls, which I kind of like, surprisingly. Well, it's my first Spider-Web Spider software title, and despite the inventory being a horrible mess, on balance, I'm actually enjoying it. What's what's grabbing you about this old-school isometric Ultima, uh, I want to say clone, but uh, inspired game? Maybe it's just that it feels like a very full world to explore, and the combat moves quickly without getting in the way of things too much. I, I gotta say, the story is actually interesting, too. Maybe it's because it's so un cliched, at least from my standpoint. Um, Everybody say night-night to Becky real fast. Night-night, Becky! Night, Becky! Night-night! So the, the story is uncliched? Maybe it's because of all the JRPGs I've been playing recently, but something that doesn't have those usual cliches is a pleasant change of pace. And yeah, I suppose if I had read more classic science fiction, I would have known a story similar to uh, you have people who have been exiled to a new place and are now forced to come to deal with the original beings there who think of them either as a threat that must be negotiated or a threat that must be destroyed. You know, that that's not a particularly new idea, but it's being handled pretty well in this game. And yeah, it, for for the budget it had, you know, it looks exactly like a, an RPG from the late '90s, one that wasn't trying to be 3D. It's got a pretty full game world, and I kind of like exploring big game worlds. So that's a, bit, a definite plus for me. It's huge. It's huge. Like I play. I mean, it, I tell you, if you you can play these demos. Uh, I've got them all from, I think I mentioned it on a previous show, from a GOG sale. But uh, even before I played that sale, I just downloaded a demo. And the thing is just, uh, those worlds are, are massive. You really do get the feeling like you're a you know, a party that's exploring a, a pretty vast landscape. Of course, it's all underground. <laughs> but not that you can really tell, because you know, it's isometric. Well, you can tell once you actually get down into the underground river caverns. Mm-hmm. Which I haven't gotten out of yet. That once you go down there, that is one massive underground cavern. I gotta say, but that again makes me feel. I, I'm. I'm impressed on behalf of Spiderweb Software for managing to do for, to put this much detail into the game. Yeah, it's, it's not a huge company. 
And and uh, you know, consider that they've done uh, you know, consider the, also the fact that they've done a bunch of these games. So, uh, yeah, yeah, they. Yeah, and, I, I looked on the site. They're up to a Vernum Six now. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 crazy. I can't guarantee that I will immediately go on a tearing blitz through all the other Avernum games because this promises one of these will probably satiate me for a little while. But having started it and having gotten let me check Steam here, how long have I been? I managed to sink fourteen hours into it. That's and I haven't gotten too far yet. Narrative wise, but I have actually done a lot in the game. It doesn't feel like I'm spinning my wheels all the time, so that's that's to be commended. Indeed. Yeah, they are definitely beefy. You definitely get your full money's worth and then some. Uh, and I will talk about one movie here. I finally watched Airport. Not Airplane, Airport. And it's a piece of garbage. It's a oh, piece of garbage! Poor man, oh no. Burt Lancaster, wise man, said that this was the biggest piece of garbage he ever made, and I think he's got a point. <laughs> I know he made there's some a, of the... There's a reason why most people know Airplane, but most people don't also don't realize that it's a parody of a different movie. Well, what's sad is that there were three more airport movies before Airplane finally killed it for good. <laughs> and this is apparently the best of them. That's just sad. It takes over an hour for the plane to take off. What do we do in the meantime? We listen to airport politics. Ooh. Yeah, we get to listen to... <gasps> that runway needs to be cleared. <gasps> we need to get more money. <gasps> do you have the tax base to support snow plows in the winter? Oh, man, the drama. Do you feel it? Do you feel the drama of asking if we have the money to support snowplows next season? Do you? No, I don't think you do. Because that's not <laughs> a very interesting subject. For some odd reason. <laughs> and for a disaster movie, here's the disaster. A guy sneaks a bomb onto a plane, which is complete, which you can't do anymore. He just brings a suitcase onto the plane, bam. Nobody looks at it. And he blows himself up in the bathroom. He's the only one who dies in the whole movie. There's a little hole in the plane, and since it's piloted by Dean Martin, we know it's not going to crash. And then, after that, it takes 40 damn minutes to land the stupid thing. What kind of a freaking disaster movie is that? At least in most disaster movies, even though they're stupid and horrible in most aspects, you get to see disaster. It doesn't even have that. I think you're being a little picky, Minky. All right, Phil, let me tell you about The Swarm, then. It was a terrible movie, but it was hilarious. It begins with Richard Widmark and Michael Caine having a screaming match to see who can outshout each other. Then it shows you a bunch of intelligent African killer bees that down a couple of army helicopters, because they're just that smart. And then you learn, I'll bet you didn't know this, nuclear power plants don't have a safety protocol in case of killer bee attack. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah, well, so something... what happens when the bees get in the plant? It melts down because everybody gets stung. Oh my gosh, somebody was sleeping at the wheel when it was time to make up that SOP. And then near the end, Commander Richard Widmark gets his way. He's going to do it his way. 
So there are killer bees in Houston, and what does he do? He sends out guys in hazmat suits with flamethrowers. And then he wonders, why is Houston catching fire? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. It makes no sense at all. Why would Houston be catching fire when you use flamethrowers against bees? I don't know. <laughs> wow, this sounds pretty intense, bro. <laughs> I was laughing at it the whole way through, so there's that. I'm not even mentioning the Olivia de Havilland, Fred McMurray, Ben Johnson love triangle. Oh, oh no, they are all on a train that gets cra- that derails because of bees. Bees can derail trains, you didn't, you know. <laughs> Wow. I don't even want to know how that happens. It's bees! Are you not hearing me, Phil? These are deadly bees. African killer bees that are so smart that they can just cause a train to derail by their sheer body mass or something. It's science! Whew. Anyway, that's that's a disaster movie you can laugh at. Oh, and I'm not even mentioning the kid who gets stung by a bee after, right after his parents get killed by bees. And then he's hallucinating a giant bee in front of him, and Michael Caine tells him to just reach out and touch it, and then it goes away, because that's how hallucinations work. <laughs> Seriously, this is, this is a laugh riot. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to contain myself over here. <laughs> okay, I think I'm done now. Well, I've been I've been pretty busy aside from um playing a little Pathfinder and uh, Clash of Clans. Uh, our mother's my mother and I started the clans I think I mentioned on the last show. Uh that's still kind of been going strong and it's been a little more time consuming than what I hoped. So I haven't had too much time to sit down and play uh too many RPGs. I did play some uh, Grand Theft Auto 4. Still haven't gotten through that one. I got through the main game, but I'm trying to get through all the uh, the extra little stuff. Ballad of Gay Tony going on right now. Um, so, instead, I'm going to use most of my time to uh, share with y'all some retro-style news. Uh, first off, of course, from rpgamer.com. You want to keep up with the website, because, man, we've got... Not only do we have this brand-new forum set up that runs real slick, real smooth... Uh, you can come and join us in all kinds of RPG discussions on there. But we have articles about RPGs you're just not going to hear in other, other places. For example, I found out today in readingrpgamer.com that Summon Night 5 and Class of Heroes 3 is headed in our direction. That's right, Gaijin Works has announced that they're going to be releasing both of these games for the PlayStation Portable. Is that even possible? The PS We're talking about the PSP, right? This isn't a typo. This is for the old Sony handheld system, which, as we are talking about the work of Victor Ireland, the man who is notorious for not necessarily abandoning a console until the grave. Wow, that's just it's just uh, amazing because if this comes to fruition, it it could very. I mean, I I thought we were already done with the PSP. This would definitely be the last release, or could well maybe I shouldn't say the last one because maybe he'll come up with another one. Uh, let's see here. They will be available digitally. Well, now, and wait, the company is working together with Monkey Paw Games to release the two titles, which will be available digitally and playable on PlayStation Vita. Uh, both games will receive a poll at a later date to determine the potential entrance in a physical release with the digital code also included. Um, so, um, let's see here. That's uh, that's kind of interesting. They did the same thing with Class of Heroes. 
uh, 2, I think, or 2G. That's the one that I have the physical copy of for the PlayStation 3, where you can use your Vita as, like, the second screen where you can see the, the stats as you're playing it. Did I talk about that, Mike? My experience on that? Doesn't ring a bell. Okay. I, I thought I might have, like, in a couple of shows ago. Um... So very, very interesting. I bring up that article because uh, if you didn't know, uh, Class of Heroes 3 is definitely an old-school wizardry style, uh, very wizardry-inspired. In fact, Class of Heroes 3 is, is kind of the spiritual successor to the wizardry series. Um, so if you want a hardcore, does-not-hold-your-hand, dungeon-crawling, very deep class system, very deep item creation system. So deep, well, that, in fact, there's no explanation part, for it. <laughs> well, that first part sounded an awful lot like that one game we both played once upon a time. Hmm. What, yeah. what was it? Yeah, I, I don't remember it. I think it had DS as its as its acronym, but no. What could it have been? I I oh. don't think it's quite that masochistic. I, I don't okay. think it approaches that epic level of hating your life. So, uh, on top of that, there's an article about the, the fact that, here's a shocker, Final Fantasy The After Years is coming to Steam. Because, you know, Square Enix hasn't been re-releasing every other Final Fantasy game on Steam lately. What's shocking about this article... Wait, is, is, are, are Final Fantasies 4, 5, and 6 on Steam now? Uh, you know, they could very well could be, for all we know. Uh, there's a whole bunch of Final Fantasy games now on Steam. They've just been popping them out almost, it seems like, one every other month or so. I guess uh, I could play after years. You know, Final Fantasy IV, I always thought, man, that story was so inconclusive. What did they do after they got back from the moon? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, my understanding, I started playing the after years on the Wii. And um, and my under I didn't get too far uh, through it because I always get sidetracked by other stuff. But reading the reviews, my understanding was that the after years just weren't that awesome. <laughs> Even if you really enjoyed the original game uh, and you were really into it, it just I, I think our very own Michael Cunningham falls into that camp, and he did not gush enthusiastically over this. Yeah, so you can you can read- although although. By getting it this way, you don't have to go episodically the way the thing originally was. No, no. And if you go this way, unlike the Wii version, this is in the new 3D format that the uh, that the DS version uh, sported. So, uh, let's see here. Right now we've got Final Fantasy 3, Final Fantasy 14, Final Fantasy 6. Uh, no, 4. I'm sorry, that's 4. Got to read my Roman numerals correctly. Um... And it looks like they're selling Final Fantasy IV as one game, and Final Fantasy IV The After Years is another game. Final Fantasy IV for $16, and The After Years for $14.39. Uh, I'm going to guess that's a 10% discount off of the original $16 price. There's also Final Fantasy VII for six uh, for $12, uh, Final Fantasy VIII for $12. So, uh, yeah, a lot of, like I said, they just kind of keep uh, popping up on there. Um, personally, for my money... I would much rather play these nowadays. They're available on the handheld platforms, but if you're only a PC gamer and you've not experienced uh, some of these games in the past, uh, Steam is giving you a way to do that. Um, Something tells me the slight changes to Final Fantasies 5 and 6 will also not be in the Steam versions. I mean, the GBA versions of those two. Yeah, it's, I was... oh, yeah and, and 4 on GBA allowed you to pick whoever the hell you wanted for the final moon I, stretch. That... I 
think what you're going to see is uh, for five and six, if they bring that over, when they bring the, I think I would say the iOS version, the iOS kind of, uh, I won't say they're remakes, they're ports, really. Probably. Yeah, I would I, think so. If they bring the, if they do bring those over to Steam, uh, there's so many ways to play Final Fantasy now. It's it's not even funny. But for my for my dollar, the PSP. Uh, versions of a lot of these games is is really the way to go. One, two, uh, four, four. Uh, is well, five, five, six? five and six are not on five PS. or six on a PSP, but you you would play those on the G. Uh, we would you and I would play those on the GBA uh, or on the DS for the GBA slot if you still got the old DS Lite. Um, and then seven, eight, nine PSP hands down. Oh my gosh, yeah. And then now ten you can play ten, ten, two, and those are on the Vita now. So if I you do, I don't think twelve has been re-released. No, yet. twelve hasn't been released. I'm, I'm sure someone's probably. Oh wait, isn't that thirteen up. on Steam now? Oh, let me think here. Thirteen. I don't. Uh, I don't think I. See. Wait, Final Fantasy thirteen. That's the. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one with lightning. I had to think about that for a second. I, I could totally yeah. play it then. You could totally play it. You could enjoy the <laughs> the story of lightning and her crew. Uh, for uh, sixteen dollars and thirteen dash two is available for twenty dollars on Steam. <gasps> wow, that means that means Lightning Returns will end up there too. It, that's inevitable. That's um, yes, you it can is. get the whole Final Fantasy thirteen trilogy, and you'll probably pay as much as I did for Final Fantasy thirteen when it came out. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, uh, moving on. There's also a review by Cassandra Ramos, a codename Steam, and she feel her her review of it actually echoes my first five-hour impression rather closely. You can see that over at rpgamer.com. I bring up codename Steam because it is strongly inspired by older tactical RPGs. So, definitely go check that out, especially if you're a fan of kind of the XCOM thing. Um, talked about that already before, so I'm not going to go into more detail. GOG has a whole bunch of awesome, uh, well, not a whole bunch, but a few awesome releases on there. Uh, Transistor, great R- great RPG. You want to check that one out. And um, Pillars of Eternity, which my wife has also been playing that one nonstop. If you liked Baldur's Gate, Pillars of Eternity is getting rave reviews. Uh, another kind of spiritual successor there to the Baldur's Gate series. Uses a very similar control scheme in the such. It did ditch the D&D rules for its own set of rules, but it otherwise looks and plays and feels very similar to the predecessors. And according to reviews, does a great job of carrying the torch. Now that's going to be a little bit more expensive. That one's running for the quote-unquote hero edition, which is I think what we got. It was $45. So... And hey, look at this, Mike. They got this game on here. Uh Agarest, Generation of War Zero. By our Oh, oh Zero. Well that's the one I see I played Generations of War. That was the with all five generations. I think Zero only has um uh, two generations, which means it's only forty percent as good. And we all know how I felt about that first one. So if you if you make forty percent of that, what do you get? Come on, math majors, tell me. So what, what do we need? Like the Agress Generations of War Collector's Edition is is that what we're looking for then? Because it has it all. Uh, sure. Okay. All right. So I mean, we look, look. Just think. Just think, Phil. If you get that collection, you've got three whole Agress games. 
Think of all the idea factory you're going to get in a concentrated dose right there. <laughs> hours and hours of fresh, I mean fun, of fun for uh, for uh, that, uh, yeah, for, for of, a lot of... Of unique, unforgettable mechanics that the player will be amazed Out- to behold. <laughs> Of hours of mechanics that you and your controller will never forget. Or if you use a keyboard as I did, then that your you know what the machine on which I played Agarest actually died a few months ago? I don't know if it's a coincidence. No, it has to be a coincidence, right? Yeah. I, I mean, that was a good six months after I finally finished the stupid the the, the unforgettable game. At, yeah, uh, yeah. Unforgettable, absolutely unforgettable. So you'll want to head over, head over to gog.com, and, and you, uh, you will, you will then, of course, want to feed the the idea factory beast, give it your money, so that it will th- see. Ah, people like this. People want to have more of this and make more of it because we need more agorist games in the world. Clearly, we need more Neptunia games. We need more Nugan Souls games. We need more. What else? What else does that say? No, I'm not, I'm not thinking about it. All, those three series by themselves are great to contemplate, aren't they? They are. Just, just think, especially of Neptunia. Look at all the Neptunia games we have now. Aren't we lucky? The, they, the kids 20 years ago, they didn't have all this. They didn't get all the Neptunia games that we're getting now. Aren't they? They're missing out, man. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so, uh, try to hold yourself back buying all those Idea Factory games over at GOG.com. Um, I, as you can tell, I'm a huge fan. They have, uh, they, uh, and I probably won't get this edited and get, we probably won't get this posted in time, but for the next three days, they have a nice, great sale. This is why I subscribe to their mailing list or their Twitter account. I can't remember which one, but I get their updates on their sale somewhere. And uh, and I got a note today that they had a kind of a weekend mix-up of different games uh, on sale. And in them is Wizardry 8, one of my favorite RPGs, uh, absolutely favorite of RPGs of all times, on sale for only $3. So that is absolutely steal. If you follow them or you follow my Twitter account, you know about this because uh, I've already tweeted it out. So lots of cool things going on over there. Uh, RPGamer.com, GOG.com, what else? Uh, well, do you, do you want to try and catalog everything that's been released on Steam recently? That'll take a while. Yeah, right. You know, just well, and that's my problem. Seem like when I'm looking, you know, guys, if any of you have the time to help me with this, this would be awesome. So, you know, before each show, I take uh, I take a little bit of time and I search for like retro news and the stuff, so I have uh, information to share with y'all. And of course, I go to GOG.com because uh, they do focus on older games. Plus, I love their whole DRM-free thing. Uh, so anything retro that's on there that's on sale or that's recently released, I like to share with you guys. Um, I look at other channels as well, and but Steam, I have no idea where to begin with Steam because if you just look at their newly released game list, it's huge. These guys release games faster than a cow with diarrhea. I mean, it's just it's just incredible. And that's just that's just the new games. What about the sales? 
I mean, yeah. Oh my gosh! And just going over the sales, holy cow! So uh, you know what? If if some of you are like Steam fans and you're always watching really carefully, and you want to shoot me off a, you know, a message uh, every week or two about uh, what's new on there that looks retroy, like I mean, the Final Fantasy news was great, but I found out that I found that one out at rpgamer.com. Uh, but anything like that that you see, you want to shoot my way, you can definitely shoot me off an email, jcservant at Cyberlight Comics, and I'll be happy to share it with our the retro RPG news with our vast listening audience. We pretty much look at anything that's at least two years old, so or older, that's uh, being re-released or on sale or anything like that 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 fits that mold. So, lots of lots of good Steam sales, though. I mean, I do have a wish list on Steam, so I'll get an email when something on my wish list goes on Steam, like Shadow of Mortar. That's an RPG. We don't really talk about it because it's not two years old yet. I think it's an RPG. We, we review that one, right, Mike? Shadow of Mortar. Shadow of Mortar. I want to say we reviewed it. Now I have to look it up. I want to. S- I don't remember offhand. I'm uh, sorry. I, I just. I want to say it. You know, Lord of the Rings type of thing, but. And of course, our search engine probably isn't the best place to look, is it? Shadow. Shadow. Shadow of Mortar. Review. RPGamer.com. Let's just double check real fast. Uh, maybe not. Anywho, uh, well, it's kind of an action RPG. Uh, maybe it's not, but um, heck, they've got that one on sale for twenty five bucks. I think it came out sixty bucks, like what four or five, six months ago. So shoot, hey, they got Skyrim on here for five bucks. Whoa, whoa! And then there's the uh, legendary hey, edition. Isn't with- it? Isn't it about time Elder Scrolls Six came out? Skyrim's what five years old now. Yeah, right. They've got uh, the legendary edition, which has all the DLC for thirteen bucks. Hey Mike, you could you could you could you could do that on your computer, couldn't you? Probably. I mean, I had no problems with Borderlands, but I'm playing a I'm playing a Vernum too. Well, yeah, but you gotta buy it on while it's still on sale, and then you can go back and play it when you know you've got your 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 backlog all all cleaned. Up. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's that's really close, right? Uh, sure. I'm, I'm absolutely not going to be playing through the Deus Ex games any anytime soon. That's not going to happen. Nope, not at all. Oh, they've got Tales of Majoral, which is a roguelike kind of RPG deal for 237. Desktop Dungeons, which is like a puzzle RPG. I actually enjoy playing that I one. I can at get w- a Grasshopper Bar at the co-op for 237 with the tax included. I'll probably enjoy it more than a roguelike right now. Yeah. So, but maybe you want a puzzle RPG, Desktop Dungeons. Um, that one, I got that one off of GOG though. I prefer the DRM free version. But if you're a Steam fan, that one's on sale right now for seven forty nine, and it, it's definitely a puzzle RPG. Um, I, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll talk about more of that one day. Um, oh my gosh! But just even on just just filtering for RPGs on sale is four pages. I, I oh here's Avadon. The Dark Fortress. Yeah, it's that's just crazy. It's insane. Steam is insane. I, I have no idea how anybody keeps track of this stuff on Steam. It's it's just amazing. Anyway, all right. Well, I think we've we've talked long enough. What's our what's our next show about, Mike? Our next show, which we would be able to talk considerably more about if uh, Sam hadn't had to go to bed, but she would be here for it. 
That will be on the first couple, or first trio of Yakuza games. Ooh, oh, I'm excited to hear about those because I did buy those when they came out based on a recommendation from a friend. But like so many other games, it's sitting in my backlog, and I can't wait to hear what they have to say about this so I can know whether or not I should turn it into a coaster like I did into Kuni. Actually, that would give me three coasters. Oh, I could have guest over if those games aren't good. Hey, what are we drinking on? Yakuza games? Wow. Awesome. All right, so uh, this yeah. may involve this may involve lots of talk about Sega as a company, and that will that is guaranteed to be full of unhappiness. I'm pretty sure. Hmm. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of unhappiness to talk about whenever you talk about Sega. And yeah, we can. I, I think we should just be happy that we've gotten some Yakuza games because Sega is not about satisfying the little people and hasn't been for a long time. Hmm. And we should be happy that RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, your source for news, reviews, and home to the best gaming community on the net. You can check out our reviews and uh, write your comments on our forums and say hi to us and read all kinds of articles all over at RPGamer.com. And you can follow us on Facebook at forward slash RPGamer. We have a Twitter page forward slash rpgamertwitter.com or whatever it's called. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at jcservant. Michael is at jumaysin. And you can write me at jcservant at cyberlightcomics.com or Mike Meeky at albertodyssey at hotmail.com. Is he still running Hotmail, Mike? Yeah. Oh, okay, at hotmail.com. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say it runs as well as it should, but I, I still use it. Okay. All right. Um... Poop. And we have two other shows you can listen to if you like this. Or are we up to three? I don't know. I lost track. We have the RPG we, we, cast. We've got, we've got the Q&A show. We Wait have a the minute. Q&A show. Mr. And- Baker! Weren't you on a recent Q&A episode? I think oh, he was. He fell asleep on the mic. Uh, and he was maybe, off. Maybe, maybe he's just eating lunch. It was to talk of all of our sales. And, uh, well, we got the Q&A show and we got active topical banter. So... Yeah, we just got pod. We got podcasts to cover your needs when it comes to the role playing game world. Um, so yeah, go and check it all out at rpgamer.com. Mr. Minky. Well, after all this talk about Oliver, somehow that got me in the mood to go revisit the 1968 Best Picture winner, which had a terrible lead performance, but actually some catchy songs. Or I could import the DS game and you know try and suffer through the book without any translation available, but uh, yeah, I'm probably going to try the movie at first. Right. Bye!